Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on August the 22nd, 2017. I am your host, game psychologist, and with me, as always, the worst William Shatner impersonator in the world. <laughs> Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We're going to have another round of Pitch a Game. We're going to have a general topic, what piques your interest in a game? There's no more single-player updates coming from Mass Effect Andromeda. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Hello, Rage. How are you? And timestamps will be in the show notes, assuming Jared doesn't forget about them. Nah, fuck them. <laughs> well, uh, I sure hope not. I mean, if, I mean, if you want to do that, fine, but... Hey, you know what? I'll take whatever I can get. Poor kid. Learn, learn that in this week's episode of Game of Thrones. I need more people in my life to talk about Game of Thrones. Hey, anyone in our community, uh, do you want to talk about Game of Thrones? I would love to talk about I mean, Game you of could Thrones. Talk to Game of Thrones about me, but or, yeah, uh, talk about Game of Thrones to me. But I wouldn't have a uh, have a single clue about what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I would know about as much of going on as I said coherent sentences just now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This I just this week's episode was really intense and. I mean, there's only one episode left in this season and one season left of the show. So I assume that all future episodes are going to continue to grow in intensity. And after what happened this week, I think I need my own therapy session to just resolve the issues that I have with what happened. So no no spoilers. I'm not going to talk about it any farther. But yeah, it was intense. It's crazy. Yeah, so uh, what are the chances of, of this actually being what happens in the book? Because aren't they past what the book is now? Yeah, yeah, they're they're past the books. The they had like a sit down with George Georgie Boy, and he gave him like his notes for the rest of the books. But the show, in some re- respects, has deviated pretty far from the books already. So I suspect it'll be kind of like what it has been—the same general gist of what's going on, but not exactly the same. So in other words, it's going to be like Full Metal Alchemist, and about halfway through, they deviated very sharply from the canon. And then years down the line, they're going to make a new show uh, to that follows the canon. Yeah, I've gone. I've read the first two books, and the show is relatively close. The first couple of seasons to the first two books. Yeah, it was pretty but... close to the first one. I did watch the first season and I read the first book, but I just uh, didn't. I wasn't that invested to continue watching it because I didn't yeah. have HBO, so it was. You know, I had to make the effort to go hunt it down. Yeah, I'll go uh, sail the seven seas. And I just uh, didn't care enough. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, book three, they start to really deviate in certain areas, with the general story being the same, but lots of specific characters not existing or being added changes the storyline some, and it just deviates farther and farther the more you get. But then again, uh, uh, series in general, I tend to either not really care for the popular stuff or just kind of fall off. Like Battlestar Galactica. Everyone always gushes about Battlestar Galactica. I fell asleep watching the miniseries and after that I just didn't care. Granted, from everything I've heard about how that series ended, didn't really miss much. Yeah. I don't know. I never finished it either. I saw the first I saw the miniseries and I watched the first two seasons, but I never finished the show. I was just bored. I want to go back and watch it. I was a, a lot younger when I saw it the first time. Because didn't Battlestar Galactica come out 
or the the remake or whatever in the early 2000s. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know, depending on the exact year, sometime between like 10 and 15. Damn, you old make me feel old. <laughs> old man rage there. So I should go back and watch it. Fucking kids with their fidget spinners. And, I, I, did, I did think of you uh, last time I was at the grocery store because uh, at the checkout, there was a fidget spinner. It was an emoji movie fidget spinner from Disney. And I just saw that and thought, damn, I feel old. There's absolutely nothing about this product that uh, has any redeeming qualities to me. Well, I'll have you know I haven't played with my fidget spinner in two weeks. Maybe because you've been uh, obsessing about something else. Indeed, I have. And is that uh, our segue into the games we played this week? I do believe so. Alrighty. Well, Rach, you usually go first. Would you like to continue that trend? We're not going to alternate this week. We talked about it beforehand. Yeah, we got to make that be special, you know? Basically, it's just going to be for weeks where we have, both of us have lots of games. Yeah, particularly whenever there's weeks that we don't have a a lot to talk about any particular game. So, speaking of uh, a lot to talk about, well, I have two of those, but the first one... Maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll see. My first one it was also my Sunday sampler for the week. Quester. This is a game I love in theory, but despise in execution. Yes, it's one okay. of those. At the heart of it, it's a personality-driven RPG party simulator. And it's all run by this in-game version of essentially Tender. Yeah, you. Sw- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you swipe left or right on prospective party members, and you build out your party, and you go do shit. Pretty awesome concept, don't you think? That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it, a, it's a neat hook. It's completely luck based. Oh. The, uh, I mean, just I, like Tinder. I mean, it makes sense that you know uh, party members would lie. You know. Uh, not be who they uh, uh, claim to be, but they can lie about literally every single detail about themselves. And at least as far as I figured out, granted, there's no help screens, there's no fucking tool tips. Oh, and also to add on to the technical issues, I had the game crash multiple times, including twice during my recording sessions. Uh, I, the sound volume, the volume sliders kept resetting every single time I loaded up the game, so it would blast my ears because it, it, you know the default sound settings were set to eleven apparently. But if someone lies, getting back to actual gameplay and you know getting off my uh, you know, rant about the technical aspects of this game, if someone lies. As far as I can tell, there's no way to get them out of your party. And because the party morale is a major factor on how you know, your chances of your success at the end of the adventure, if you have someone that lies and you know, absolutely hates everyone and everything about your party, you are fucked. And on top of that, if you're uh, gold, your uh, cash runs into the negative, which it actually can uh, at the start of an adventure without a game over. 
if you end an adventure and negative cash game over, you start from the very beginning. And it's just not a very fun mechanic. And on top of that, it has a lot of... I, I can't even say memes because th- th- their idea of humor on this is YOLO. Yeah. I, I mean, isn't that like five years old now or something? Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, it's... it's, I, it's well a, past I mean, its, it's prime. I mean, it's an older meme, but I guess it checks out. <laughs> but um, I see what you did there. Eh, eh. But yeah, it's just which well, yeah, uh, internet humor. Yo, yeah, fine. Uh, I mean, it's not like I hang out with someone that you know, uh will say, "Well, that's what she said," and use it as a punchline for a joke. <laughs> uh, that's what she said. I don't know why she'd say that, but that's what she said. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I can't really discredit her for you know uh, not enjoying the humor. But you know the fact that everything is luck based, everything is just ba- based around this mechanic that just doesn't make sense. Granted, I could be completely wrong about the game. You know the the uh, the gameplay could make a lot of sense if I knew how to fucking play the game. But I don't. Oh, it's just so, so frustrating because I saw this game, you know, I saw my review, uh, view copy come in and looked at it and it's like, oh, this looks really neat. And, oh, it, it, it fell flat on its face from the start. <laughs> oh, right. so, so disappointing. I, I've, uh, bonus pitch a game. This game only executed well. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, granted, this is in the early access phase, so yeah, you know, it could improve. And th- there's things on the roadmap that actually should have been in the beginning, like uh, persistent characters. <laughs> because yeah, oh, that's something else is that all the characters are randomly generated, and the generation has uh, well, uh, they said twenty personalities, but I'm gonna say unless you know they unlock extra ones toward yeah. You know, and the medium and hard difficulties, I would say about 10. So you'd get repeats over and over again. As a matter of fact, I got two of the same characters. I mean, verbatim. <laughs> like, name and everything? Name and everything. Dang. Granted, I didn't get it in the video. I got it in my test runs. And it's just... I swiped left because, you know, he, his alignment uh, didn't fit in with the uh, party. Granted, not sure if that really matters, but uh, what the hell. And, you know, he showed back up. I mean, it's, what the hell? I guess he just really wanted to come back and see you. And, and on top of that, there's, there's something else is that, okay, uh, that didn't really get into all that well, is that, okay, uh, everything is based on your party's personality, which includes how events play out, which... Yo, it does have the, you know, uh, uh, internet humor. And, uh, uh, maybe that's just this me being old. I don't know. But because of how the party is generated, if it's basing off of, let's say, you know, you know the classes, and one of your guys lied about his class, and, you know, you suddenly have two stewards or two merchants or, you know, two squires or whatever. They both have the exact same responses to the events. I mean, verbatim. And on top of that, events always play out the same way. So, let's say, um, you know, uh, there's a bandit event, which there is in the game, but uh, using it as an example, 
And I know that the merchant response is the correct one. Well, if I have a merchant in my party, well, that event is a non-starter now because, you know, I immediately go to the merchant. There's no, oh, I wonder if I use this or this. It's a guaranteed thing. And that's another thing that kind of takes the enjoyment out of it. You know, it takes all the mystery of it. You know, trying to balance out your party, it's just more of, okay, fill out your party with different classes and, you know, make it so they don't try to kill one another. Right. Very disappointing. Okay. Very disappointing. Yeah, it sounds like this is a a good idea, but it needs to be either flushed out some more or explained better. Oh, and also this is or a, fixed. And also this is a fifteen dollar game. <laughs> this game does not deserve even half the price tag, at least in its current state. And they are talking about in the early access of maybe raising the price. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this honestly, this sounds like a five to ten dollar game. Yeah. Even if it was working correctly, yeah, yeah, that's why I thought you know, was I thought it was going to be you know a ten dollar game max, but a fifteen, no, at least in its current state. Ugh, very disappointed about this one. Indeed, sounds that way. All right, what about your next one? Uh my next one, Honorium. Uh, I didn't believe I actually heard the pronunciation of this. This is a, a, well, my next two are mobile games, but this is the mobile version of a tabletop game, a tabletop uh, solitaire. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's uh, essentially a version of solitaire where you're trying to match various cards uh, to open doors to uh, before your deck empties out. It's a very simple game with a... Uh, uh, it's actually plays pretty quickly. Uh, usually a ma- uh, well, a match, a game of this lasts approximately five to ten minutes max. But yeah, that's me being very, very cautious. But the idea of this is essentially trying to go through your deck or trying to finish out all the doorways to escape the labyrinth, or you know the. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a story for you know trying to explain the game mechanics. Right. You're trying to uh, open up all the doorways to be able to escape. And to do that, you have to discard, well, in the base game, there's uh, three expansions available. One they give you if you sign up your uh, for an account with them, which, you know, why not? And then two other ones, which are like a buck a pop, you know, not very expensive, which I haven't gone through for yet. I may, I don't know. And I, I enjoyed the uh, this one. But uh, to unlock the doors, you either discard three uh, cards of the same color, but you cannot discard a card that has the same icon. So, uh, if you look at the screenshots of it, there's like keys, there's suns, there's moons. If you discard a moon, you cannot play another moon. You have to play a card with a different uh, icon on it, even if it's a different color. You could also okay. unlock doors by having a key in your hand and drawing the corresponding color door. And you, you could unlock the door immediately like that. But you also have to watch out because in the deck there are nightmares. And if you draw a nightmare into your hand, you either have to discard your hand, you have to discard the top five cards off the deck well, while retaining any other nightmares that you draw or any doors that you draw to go back to the deck and shuffle you could uh, pay a key that you have in your hand to just, you know, immediately discard the nightmare and be done with it. 
or you could reseal one of the doors. And there's a lot of strategic elements of, you know, what doors you open when, or, you know, what ones to shoot for. And you can also manipulate the deck in certain ways. For example, if you discard a key, you're able to look at the top five cards of your deck, order them in any way you wish, but also the fifth card in that order is discarded. And this is a way that you can get rid of the nightmares without having to deal with them and discarding uh, well, additional keys. There's a lot more strategy to this than I was really expected going into it, and it's a lot of fun, actually. That's good. So a well-developed mobile card game? Yeah, well, this is a mobile version of a tabletop game. So, yeah, it already had the development cycle there. Right. And from never what heard I, of this game before. And from what I understand, it's... Uh, plays a lot faster than the tabletop version, just because yeah, there's no setup and no yeah, you know, having to go through everything. Right. So my favorite things is just like a general aside about playing board games on uh, mobile or console or tabletop PC. simulator. Yeah, it just goes so much faster because you don't have to deal with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, this is just a card game, so yeah, there's not that much there. Uh, but it also, you know, handles all the rules for you. Right. But it's uh, uh, at least the base game, and I did play a little bit of the first expansion, which changes a few things. Uh, one, uh, certain uh, it adds uh, uh, an extra door to each color. There's four different colors, by the way, which I didn't really mention. And each uh, color has two doors. And once you fill out all the uh, doors of that color, you know, you don't have to worry about unlocking more doors. So those become kind of dead cards, but at the same time, you could use them in other ways, such as you could just discard a card of that color to immediately draw the next card because you always have five cards in your hand. Or you could use it to, you know, get uh, if you have a bad uh, icon, you could just swap the icons with uh, by discarding a single color card and then, uh, yeah be able to start up your sequence. It, but the uh, changes to the mechanics, if I recall correctly, adds an extra uh, door to each color, and it also makes it so that if you discard a certain card, I haven't played it enough to really understand which cards are which. It does the same thing as the key, where you look at the top five cards, but in this one, you keep one card, if I recall correctly, and put it on top of the deck, and the other four go onto the bottom, which adds a lot more strategy to it because you know you get barrier cards that you don't want a lot further down your deck. Okay, uh, 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 that's the main thing about this game is it's the, the strategy, but also the deck manipulation. But yeah, it's uh, definitely worth checking out if you like your solitaire games. I occasionally like a good solitaire-esque game. And this is what that is uh, at its heart. Yeah. I mean, looking at the store page or the Google Play page, uh, yeah, it's uh, everything is suggested around it as solitaire of some sort. And that's what it is, is solitaire. And the expansions are pretty cheap. I think they're, yeah, $3 uh, for two. That's not bad. And they uh, both uh, change the game somewhat significantly. I mean, the free one is, you know, changes it somewhat drastically to begin with, and that's the smallest of the experiences, if I recall correctly. Interesting. I'll, uh, I think I'll add this one to my list of games to check out at some point. 
like next time I, maybe I go through my phase of playing a bunch of mobile games. So I'll probably put this one on the list. Yeah, well, that. well, this and the uh, next one are just basically things I tried while I was rendering because yeah, my my render days, especially since we record Sundays, are uh, broken up into two parts now. Because uh-huh. I usually I used to just yeah render all day Sunday and be done with it, but can't really do that if I have to play Divinity. <laughs> so right, you can uh, render for a while, but you have to stop eventually. Yeah, yeah. So this is my answer to yeah you know, the expanded. Uh, well, it's not really expanded, but since it's broken up, it, yeah, you know, I don't really have a good Saturday play session. Right. So it gives me a chance to go see if uh, there's anything worth playing on mobile. And hey, I found something. There you go. And right. uh, moving swiftly along to my last mobile game, uh, Deep Town. This uh, is essentially my answer to Jared uh, being uh, just a dirty, dirty uh, miner. <laughs> oh, I've played this game before. Yeah, it's actually not bad. It's I've treated it more as just uh, like a virtual pet that I check on every so often than something I play uh, full time. You're... Uh, uh, controlling essentially a robotic co- uh, mining colony, and your mine shaft has a case of the Cthulhu's. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of those games that it's kind of hard to really talk too much about it because it has a lot of kind of Adler mechanics, but also a little bit of cow clicker where you have to, uh, sp- especially whenever you're working the uh, shaft. Hey, also that's what she said. Uh, 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 at certain points, you have uh, uh, tentacles come up. Waiting for it's Jerry. Not really a, it's not really a that's what she said, but eh, that's what she said. Well, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, besides, that's what she said. If that doesn't fit, you still use it because that's you. Fair enough. I'm not super into tentacles, but I'm also not really against tentacles. You know, <laughs> if they come up. I'm down for it. If they don't, you know, I'm fine with that too. Uh, so you can take it or leave it. Yeah, but uh, much. but but to be fair, usually when there's tentacles, you know, you don't have much choice in the matter to begin with. <laughs> Very true. Usually they're forcing you. I just kind of let it happen though. Well, can't rape the willing. Wink. Uh, but anyway, uh, should we get back to the bond shafts? <laughs> yeah. Uh. There's not a lot to talk about this on this uh, because it's all kind of just other mechanics. And that's something that I've really noticed with management games is that they're broken into really two camps. The cow clicker, yeah, sit there and just tap, 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 tap. And this, which is more just set up everything and then check on it again in a few hours. There, there are games that break this mold, but yeah, this is the general how things work for management games for mobile, it seems like. Yeah, how far have you gotten? Uh, I'm trying to think of exactly how far. I, I know I'm in the uh, where everything is kind of bubbly now. Okay. I think I've defeated two of the bosses, and I'm working my way down to the third. Okay. Yeah, I, I got a lot farther than you did. I probably, I like, it it gets a few more mechanics. I mean, it's all kind of in that idler space where it's just like got uh, the, some the uh, boss fights, the elders, or the times that you know it is most game like where you actually have to pay attention to it. 
Yeah. And everything else is just, you know, you sit it up and check back on it, you know, once or twice a day, particularly uh, you know, to get your drones to get back to work. Yeah. Which, well, I'm, well, uh, which I'm renaming mine as Carbals. I have a jab and bob right now. Nice. Your little drones that automatically can go collect your resources and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeb is, uh, uh, does all the uh, mechanical work. And Bob is running around uh, collecting things. Yeah. I uh, The reason I stopped playing, actually, was I hit a bug. And, I mean, I don't know if it's been fixed or not now. But the game would, like, for, like I would lose progress. Like, I would do a bunch of stuff, and I would collect things, and I would go to sell it. And I would do that, and then I'd exit the game. And when I'd come back, it was like I hadn't done anything. So I'd constantly be collecting and selling. And, like, one out of every five times it would it would take... But I just got frustrated, so I stopped playing. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, it's, it's been months ago that I played this game, so I don't know. Maybe they fixed it, but it was annoying, and I stopped playing it, and I haven't gone back. Yeah, one thing I have noticed about this is that if you don't want to pay, you, they kind of force you to watch a lot of ads, uh, especially to get some of the revenue <clears throat> sources for certain buildings. Yeah. But, yeah, that's one of those things that you... You start the ad that you put down the phone and go drink your coffee. Yep. I did download a couple of the, of the uh, games that they advertised. Those looked interesting, which I'll probably be talking about in the you know, next few weeks. Uh, occasionally, yeah, like, uh, occasionally, an uh, ad for a game actually makes, uh, makes it look decent. Granted, and then there's others that they played that... Yeah, there was a tower defense that... You know, they showed the defense uh, working perfectly fine, you know, uh, <coughs> making it sound, look awesome... Well, for a tower defense game. I'm not a huge fan of tower defense, to be perfectly honest. And then a fucking dragon comes in and wipes out everything. It's like, okay, so a a dragon comes in and wrecks everything. Well, outside of being a Game of Friends reference, I guess, um, doesn't seem all that interesting to, you know, just have your shit wrecked. Yeah, probably not. Usually not. I will say that the story of the game... uh, uh, Deep Town looks kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, they're giving little tidbits of, you know, okay, you're on Earth and shit's fucked up. And they're giving little hints of, you know, what happened here and there. Granted, I'm not... I've gotten the first cave system completely explored. Yeah. And I'm not I sure have... how far I have to go for the next bit of story, because that that was the most interesting bit to me. I had completely explored the second cave system. I don't know if they've revamped it, but it was like a hundred and something levels deep. I unlocked the second. One. I want to say like 150. Okay, so I'm probably not that far off because I think I'm in the, the low 100s now. Yeah. Because I'm just at the point where, you know, instead of tentacles, it's, uh, you know, uh, just almost bubbling, boiling ooze. Yeah. Granted, it, granted, it still instantly kills any robots that I have mining. Yeah. Have you got all of the, like, special abilities or no. all of the tools or whatever they're called? Okay. Yeah. No, I just I think... uh, got the upgraded mining laser that requires the amber uh, blasters. Oh, okay. And I honestly never use it. <laughs> yeah. I only use the mining laser specifically to fight the bosses because it's pretty good. When you get some of the other ones that you can combo together for uh, bonus damage, the mining laser basically sets off every single combo. 
Yeah, I so, do wish that there was more ability slots because uh, how it's set up is that uh, while you're mining, you only have four abilities active or yeah, available. And one of them is your mining laser, you know, whatever in the first slot. And it feels very limited, particularly since you get a lot of abilities. Yeah. And <clears throat> once you hit a boss, you have to swap everything out, you know, swap your robots out because they can't fight the boss for whatever reason. They instantly die. The big robots can fight bosses, the big stompy ones? Uh, I still have mine instantly die. Uh, okay. Maybe they've changed it because the big... Like, the little robots, the little drill bots would get killed immediately, but the big stompy bots would last to get a few stomps in before they died. Yeah, I had Bond pretty much instantly die, and there's also a bot that uh, heals that, you know, it instantly dies as well. I'm not sure if it's a bug or if it's they change things or what, but, you know, I just basically combo the nano cloud, which, you know, is just a giant AoE, uh, the mining laser, the fire blast, and the ice blast. Yeah. You know, uh, knock, knock some health down, uh, and wait till it's about to heal. Freeze it, uh, knock the ever living hell out of it. Then once it's unfrozen, uh, set it on fire. You know, just like you do in Divinity. Yay, fire. Uh, and just try to out DPS it until the freeze comes up, and that's usually what kills it. Yeah. Well, I've also been working on, uh, leveling up my primary abilities. Well, it's turned into kind of a virtual pet for me. I'm not sure if I'll continue playing it or not. It's one of those things that uh, it's interesting, and I want to see where they do what they do with the story. Assuming that they do something with the story, I, uh, it sounds like I'm close to the second cave system. Yeah, I don't know how many cave systems there are. I didn't, I didn't get that far. I don't know. I might go check it back out. It was one of the few mobile sort of clickery style games that actually stuck with me for a little while, but. Once I hit whatever that bug was, I just couldn't keep playing because it basically made progression impossible. I'll just have to sit there and play it for the next you know few months straight. Yeah, you know, simple. I mean, it's a mining game. It's uh, perfectly natural for you. Absolutely. Speaking of mining games, yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about No Man's Sky again, guys, because I played it for. Ooh, I should go look at my Steam and see uh, how long I played No Man's Sky for in the last week. Uh, hang on, that hang, should be. Hang on, hang on. I'm getting the cards out. <laughs> oh. Okay, recent activity. And no, I'm not joking. Actually, I have my playing cards out. <laughs> I, I believed you. Let's see. View all recently played. I have played 22 hours of No Man's Sky in the past week. Yeah, I think so. we need to schedule an intervention. Yeah, it's it's been good. I'm really really enjoying. Uh, my I'll, I'll be contacting it. Katie tonight to get get her to slip you something. Okay, you'll wake up tied to a chair, and not even the sexy way. Sounds kinky. Um, there'll be tentacles. There are tentacles in No Man's Sky. In some places, I just well ha- uh, having well it depends on if you like them in some places, I guess. Wink. But, I mean, I've just been playing it a lot, trying out all the new features, been working on building my base, exploring the the new and revamped mechanics some more. Uh, and I, like, I had this, I had the moment, like, I, I posted a tweet, was it today or was it yesterday, with the, the screenshot that I took, and I was like, guys, I've, it's, I have a problem, it's hit me. 
or some whatever well, it was I said. Admitting that you have a problem is the first step. But I just I I landed on this moon actually. I was looking for some re- some a specific resource to complete one of the base building quests because right now there's a bug where that if you move your base and you haven't completed the quests, you can't complete the quests for one of the base givers unless you move your base back to the original position. Wait, and Sorry, basically I'm just going to re- say here, stunned. No Man's Sky has a bug? Basically, you'd have to rebuild your base exactly the way it was to complete the quest. So I'm like, well, I'll just finish my my base building quest so that I can move my base and focus on other things. And I was looking for a resource. I land on this moon, and uh, it looks one... I landed when it was on the dark side. Yeah, dark side of the moon. But uh, landed on the dark side of the moon. I was doing some stuff, looking for some resources. I was in a cave. And I come out of the cave, and it's now, like, daytime, and it turns out this is, like, a paradise-type planet with, like, fields of grass and beautiful trees, and this, the, it's planet that it's orbiting around in the, in the background, and I just went, holy shit, that's gorgeous. So then I got out the, the screenshot tool, and, like, manipulated things, and spent way too long making what I thought was, like, the perfect picture. It was nice. I just I just wanted to say, like, it's still holding my interest. That's the main reason that I left it on the list to talk about. Like, even exploring the mechanics a bit deeper, um, because, I've, like I said, I've been doing base building and exploring, like, the story that exists in the game, or that is in the game now. I found someone named Artemis, and it he's completely new from the newest update. And he's got his own quest line that he can give you uh, if you pursue him, and it's counted as one of the main quests, so I've been doing that a little bit. Now, now is it your manic interest, or uh, do you have to do something to unlock that? <laughs> I wish he was a romantic interest. Um, But anyways, I, it's still good, guys. It's still good, and I know that Kyle got it. I was hoping to hear from Kyle this week about how he felt about No Man's Sky, because he purchased it based on my recommendation. So... Kyle, you should report in next week about how you like No Man's Sky. Well, I did talk to him briefly, and he mentioned uh, something about plutonium. I, I just said that he should uh, you know, rip it off some from some Libyans. I mean, nothing bad ever happened from that. <laughs> oh, plutonium is everywhere now. It's all over the place. I, I do have to say, I dislike the the farming system until you can get the... Um, the greenhouse dome, you have to like feed materials to this to to each of your like little farming trays. They've got little lamps on them and stuff. You have to keep giving them materials. I although I think it's funny you can give them plutonium as one of the materials to like, grow your plants. I'm like I'm growing radioactive plants, guys. But it's kind of frustrating because every time you I leave and then come back, it's like well shit, all of the trays ran out of energy, so I gotta feed them. And farming is a pretty big part of getting some of the sort of high-end base equipment. I mean, you can go harvest all these materials naturally in the world, but it takes a long time, and you got to go all over the all over the place. So, I'm I'm working towards a uh, a dome, a nice greenhouse dome, a couple of them from a farms. So that way, I don't have to constantly feed them energy. Some plants you can plant outside, like some plants can grow in any biome, and then some they have to be in a specific biome that they're meant for. Like there's plants that only grow on in frost biomes, and plants that only grow in desert biomes, and etc. So 
I've been planting all the ones I can outside because you don't have to feed them energy. But I'm on a, an Arctic tundra planet, so there's only a few plants that can grow in the tundra. Also, my kid is enjoying watching No Man's Sky because he's a little bit older from... I mean, he's a year older, so he can interact with it even more than he did. We went around petting animals the other day because you can do that now. He was like, what are you doing, Daddy? I was like, well, I'm petting these animals so that they'll... I can collect their poop. Because one of the first plants you could... You I thought that was grow. a different game. Nope. You have to collect animal poop. And he was like, how do you collect it, Daddy? And I was like, well, you feed them and you pet them. And he's like, I want to pet the animals. So we walked around pressing E to pet. It was great. Had a good time with my son. But that's all I have to say about No Man's Sky. Nothing revelating. It probably won't be on the list next week. Or any other weeks. Until I hit like some other major milestone to talk about. Or we just schedule that intervention. Yeah, or that. So uh, I'll move on that from that to another game that I talked about last week, but that I've played quite a bit more and have gotten more into, which is GTA V again. Uh, do you want me to talk about nice stuff first or bad stuff first? Uh, well, as long as you don't spoil anything. Yeah, I won't spoil any any story stuff. Uh, I'll go. I'll go negative first. Okay. F- fuck the online mode. I, it's not about the grind. It's not about any of that. Even like the shitty player behavior, I can I can deal with that. I can't stand the load times. I don't understand why it takes so long. Console uh, parity. It takes about five minutes to load in initially, which sucks. But if it was a one-time thing every time, it's like I'd start the load, go to the bathroom, get a snack, all that jazz, whatever. Come back, and you're we, dead. And, and you're loading again. And then be done with it. But after that, like... Everything takes forever to load. It, I mean, like, respawning is fine if you die because it just plops you back where you were and it doesn't have to load anything. But anytime you try to load an activity or after you return from an activity to the, the main map or, you know, the open world portion of the map, it's just two, three, four, five minutes. I, I Okay, I'm going to have to ask, do you have this load to your SSD? Uh, I didn't at first... And I thought that that might be part of the problem. So then I put it on my SSD, and it made no difference. It's I looked it up. It's all server-side stuff. It, they just they do a lot of shitty peer-to-peer stuff. And um, th- it doesn't like to put people in servers unless they're full. So it spends forever trying to find a server that's like nearly full to stick you in so that it gets a full room. I, I say servers, but I mean instance puts you in an instance that's full so unless you're doing uh loading in with a bunch of your friends where it will tend to just give you your own instance uh right off the bat because you're grouped up with your friends it takes forever to do anything okay i'm going to ask a question and this is going to sound like a snarky question you know kind of being a smart ass but i'm being serious here with uh, as many problems as you have with loading and everything how the fuck is this as popular as it is I don't know. It's that way on the consoles. Like, whenever I, I went to my client's house that plays it, and we've played it, I always just assumed it was that bad because it was on console. But it's... I don't know. I mean, once you get into a set of activities, as long as you stay in the activity set, you're fine. So if you're like, I want to go grind out money for an hour, once you join your first game, as long as you stay in that, it's not too bad. But if you're going in and out of activities or if you're trying to find, God forbid, you try and find a specific activity and do something other than quick join, 
You'll never get a game in that. You'll spend forever loading. And Lord help you if your connection drops for even half a second. Because then you'll go into loading purgatory. I don't. I don't get it. I like I like I said last uh, last time. Like if you're just gonna run around and do bullshit with your friends, it's fine because you're not having to deal with all that stuff. You you'll get dropped into uh, your own instance, and you're just gonna be hanging out all the time. So it's fine. But I don't know. Maybe some of the late activities, like the gun running stuff and the CEO stuff, maybe that's different. I have no idea because I'm not there. And honestly, I probably never will be because I'm not going to put that much time in the online mode. But, I mean, basically, I just wanted to earn enough money so I could have some cars and stuff if we ever did it for a stream night or, you know, somebody wanted to play with me. Then I could just be like, all right, well, I've got my car and I can run around and do bullshit with you. But it's stupid. It's really stupid. It, I hate it. Do you think we just uh, have not enough patience? I mean, I'm a very, I'm genuinely a very patient person, but it just, I'm just it's just wasting to, my time. I'm just trying to figure this out, you know, how it's so popular. I mean, this is going to be a non sequitur, but what the hell? I mean, this is VGL. I was watching a couple of streams of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds because, you know, I was curious about it. You know, especially since it nearly overtook Dota 2 today as the most popular game on Steam. Or the most played game at the time. I mean, it was damn close. It was under 40,000, which, yeah, it doesn't sound uh, that close, but when it's, you know, total players over 700,000 for the day, yeah, that's a lot closer. Yeah, you know, I watched a few streams. It's like, okay, so they ran around for 15 minutes uh, ran, uh, into random houses and then got shot by someone that they had no chance of seeing. Right. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I mean, that doesn't sound fun to me, but I don't feel like that's wasting... Like, if I was playing that, I wouldn't feel like well, I was well, wasting my time. No, no, it's, it's, no like, it's not more the uh, connection of, okay, how is this supposed to be fun? I mean, I imagine that, you know, there is the tension once you get past the boring run around randomly loot buildings. But, you know, getting there just doesn't seem all that interesting. I mean, yeah. it's a part of the reason why I didn't get into plant side was that, you know, I ran for 15 minutes, got shot, and was sent back to spawn that was halfway across the map. Yeah. I, yeah, the biggest th problem I have with it is I feel like I'm wasting time. Like, if the activities rewarded you a lot more, and it wasn't so much a grind fest, I could probably put up with the load times because I'd feel like I was getting something out of it. But waiting for essentially 10 to 15 minutes to load in and then find a match and then load into the match or the, the activity and to only get, I don't know, twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000, which doesn't really get you much outside of like the very basic stuff like I talked about last week, it, it just feels like a waste of time. $20,000, that's a clip of ammo. Yeah, one magazine. Oh, um, no, 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 that's just the clip. You still have to fill it. That's that's another mission. Okay. But, uh, oh, and yeah. If, oh, oh, you you wanted actual uh, good bullets? You didn't want just the full metal jackets? You wanted the hollow points? Oh, that's another mission. Or or just, uh, you know, uh, take out your credit card and swipe it, please. Yeah, I just don't understand how it's... I'm with you. I don't understand how it's so popular. 
it's just all bullshit and time wasting. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd go find the grindiest MMO or free to play game and do that instead. At least the load times would be better. Um, so that's the bad stuff. The good stuff is the single player mode. Uh, I've played through quite a bit of the story and the more I play, the more I like, uh, to keep it spoiler free, um, as they continue to intertwine the whole, we've got three main characters and so we're going to switch between them in missions and things is, it's great. Uh, you know, I'm echoing what I said last week. They did that really well and they continue to do it well and use it to, to do interesting things in the story. Um, and use it as a way to break up certain scenes that could be monotonous or boring as well. Like, it's just, it's done really well. And it they, they use it to great effect. Um, I did my first heist, which the heists are awesome. That was so good. Yeah, the, so the heist that, in uh, GTA 4 was, pr- well, I wouldn't say it's the best mission, but it's one of the best. Yeah, like this, so there's, I'm not sure how many heists there are in the story mode. There's, I know there's several, but... Uh, so the way that they work is that you're, you set up a job and then you're given a couple, two or three different ways that you want to pull off the job. And so you choose which way you want to do it. And then you have another set of missions where you go prepare. So, you know, you go get special weapons or steal trucks or whatever it is you need to complete the job. And then after you do that, you have to pick the people that are going to do the job with you. You put together your crew and that was really really interesting because it's like you can choose like shitty people but you don't have to pay them very much or you can choose good people but you have to pay them more you know a higher cut and they can make a really big difference in how it goes so for the for the first one i was like well because of story reasons i need as much money as i can so except for this one person who the guy's telling me is like if we pick someone bad for this the whole mission could like fail or the whole heist could fail I'm going to pick shitty people for the other positions and then, like, one good person for the position that he says that we need. And one of the shitty people, like, fucked up and crashed his getaway car and we lost a whole bunch of loot. And if I had just picked someone that was more competent, they probably wouldn't have crashed and it would have actually cost me less money to pay that guy his higher share than it was for the guy who crashed the getaway vehicle and lost a bunch of money. I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if there's, like, that's always going to happen. I don't know if there's, like, a chance that they'll fail and I just, you know, lost the the dice roll or whatever. And I need to do a little bit more research into it. But I thought that was pretty neat. Like, it really matters who you pick to do the jobs. And you get different dialogue based on who you pick, um, which was pretty neat. Like, I looked that up online uh, because different characters react. Like when you pick good people, they're like, yeah, that was great. You're awesome. If they pick terrible people, they're like, that guy was a dumbass. What the hell was he thinking? So the heists are not only interesting and like really well thought out multi-layer missions, but, uh, the, like they require a lot of deep thought, which is something that I wasn't really expecting in a Grand Theft Auto game. So it was good. They're, they're very enjoyable. I, are you sure to let Patty just, you know, go absolute bad shit? Send, I'll just send Trevor in there. Just let him kill everyone. I'm not sure who my favorite character is. The The three main characters, Franklin, Michael, and, and Trevor. I don't... I mean, Franklin's not a bad character, but he's definitely my least favorite than main three. Michael was my favorite last week, but Trevor is an interesting fellow. 
very interesting. I love to just like swap to him randomly because he'll just be out in the middle of nowhere, like in his underwear, beating a guy to death with a bottle or something. He's like constantly like doing random stuff. I swapped to him once and he was in a dress. I don't know why he was wearing a dress, <laughs> but he was in a dress. It was Tuesday. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, GTA, the single player mode is awesome. Well, since, and the multiplayer uh, you, mode sucks dick. Well, how do you compare these characters with the other main characters? Uh, Tommy, uh, CJ, uh, Nameless Mute. Uh, actually, wasn't it Clyde or something? Uh, they revealed that name uh, in, I think, San Andreas. Or, of course, Nico. Um, I think Nico is probably my most liked character, even though, you know, he's in probably the most irritating of situations. Yeah, I always really liked Nico, and they actually mention him, like, not by name, but it's another one of those, like, references for the first heist, because, like, you're looking for a crew, and they're like, well, there is this one guy out in Liberty City who's been making waves, but, nah, I'm not going to call him out here. It's like, you're talking about Nico, aren't you? But anyways, uh, compared to the other main characters, I like them better than every main character that I remember from previous GTA games, except Nico. Um, I like Nico better than Franklin. And I think Nico's probably on par with Trevor for me. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, Michael's still my favorite character. He just reminds me a lot of Tony from The Sopranos. Yeah, really well, like since that. I can't really do uh, the GTA Five. I- I think it really depends on the situation between Nico and CJ, because I actually really liked CJ. Franklin reminds me a lot of CJ. Like a a more... I don't know. CJ was just in a very bad situation to begin with. Yeah, that's kind of how Franklin is But CJ is probably the... kind of the most human of the uh, GTA... uh, well, the GTA characters I played. Yeah. Uh, Because he's a deeply flawed character, but uh, yeah... But he also is kind of a psychopath. Yeah, Franklin's not really a psychopath, at least not at this point in the story. I mean, well, that's put, definitely Trevor's department in GTA Five. Well, uh, I always remember this one particular mission in GTA San Andreas where the uh, construction workers, remember this? Uh, uh, it was in, uh, well, the analog San Francisco. He buries a uh, construction worker in an outhouse and covers it with concrete because they were uh, doing cat calls at his sister. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a Trevor thing in GTA Five. That was like his most psychotic moment. But outside of that, yeah, CJ was a pretty likable character overall. Even though uh, I think my favorite GTA character in that game was actually Woozy. <laughs> you have no idea yeah. who that is, do you? No, I don't. I didn't play. I played San Andreas, but I didn't play it a ton. He was the blonde uh, leader of the triads. Okay. Uh, he had uh, uh, he had some great little moments. Like he he was always talking about how lucky he was, but later in the game, uh, he's playing blackjack with a uh, couple of his uh, uh, underlings, and he just uh, keeps asking for cards. And you could see, yeah, he's way over 21 at this point. But they, they're they lying to him to yeah, boost his confidence. And it was yeah. just a, yeah, a nice little moment for him. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I guess I, I want to talk more, but I'm not going to spoil any story stuff. So I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, There's saw, some very neat story stuff and things yeah, that sorry. happen. I, I, I want to play the single player at some point. I just have no interest in the multiplayer. And after you talking about, you know, you know go and make a sandwich, then you go pick your game mode and you go eat the sandwich, go to the bathroom, wash your hands, come back, and oh, you're halfway loaded. Yeah, I was. Do you think they needed a couple other online modes, you know, to break up the monotony of, uh, of all the loading screens? You know, you, you start uh, the loading of one uh, uh, online mode, and you swap to the other one and start playing that. God, I don't know. <laughs> the when I turned it off, I haven't turned it back on since. I I got um, I was lo- going from doing jobs to back to just the overworld. I was like, well, I'm I'm hungry, so I I was I got up, I went to the bathroom, I made a sandwich, I got a drink. I went and looked. It was still loading. I ate my sandwich, and I looked down, and it had been like nine minutes, and I assumed that I had gotten disconnected or something in the middle. Who knows? Maybe it was taking it that long to load. And I said, fuck this, and I hit Alt-F4 and force closed the game, and I haven't went back to the online mode since. Sheesh. I just, I don't like feeling like my time's being wasted. Yet you hang out with me. (laughs) But I love you. I'm spending time with you, not wasting it. So yeah, I'll move on from GTA to my next game, uh, which is Interstellar Transport Company. Oh boy, so for, here we go. For, for our, our first pitch a game idea, I pitched basically this game. I was so giddy last week when I found it, and I purchased it immediately. Like, uh, it When we recorded, I think it was com- releasing into early access the next day, and I, I bought it for, I think it was 10% off. It's like $17, $18, something like that. Um, and it's pretty much literally exactly what I pitched. Uh, you start in the year 2050, and if you play like the default game, you start in our solar system. Um, and there's a small colony on the moon and a tiny colony on Mars. And you're in charge of a shipping company. Uh, and you have access to a few different rockets and a few different spaceships, which have... Uh, really slow, inefficient torch drives. And you set up trade routes between your the, the colonies on these planets and you get them, or well, bodies, I, I guess. Get them, get them going, build them up, and then they'll eventually um, get larger spaceports and you can use bigger, bigger ships. And uh, it, as the economies of the these bodies grow... They might branch out and start their own colonies, which you're able to support. You can directly, uh, or you can fund colonies. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, it's got some issues. Uh, for, for one, the game is pretty much impossible to play by yourself. By that I mean, like, the logistics of doing this are insane and it's designed to be played either in multiplayer with other people or against ai in competing companies but you can turn all that off and just play it completely solo but within an hour if you're really really busting it trying to expand as quickly as possible you'll have like 200 ships just crisscrossing across the solar system and the like your your home planet which you know i I like to play with the default so starting our, our solar system earth We'll start colonies uh, on Mercury and Venus pretty quickly because they're close. That's actually get... impressive that they uh, start a colony on Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. 
has got Mercury and Venus both have really really high resources. They they're like almost uninhabitable. So they're really difficult to support logistically, but if you can pull it off, you can get massive amounts of resources from them. Well, there's actually a a, a concept of a, a, of a Venus base that I saw that was really interesting. Isn't it where that they like float it? Yeah, on balloons. On balloons, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, and if you could like the altitude, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, a stable temperature, a very comfortable temperature. That you just need. Well, a, just a slight pressure suit, mostly just because, you know, the atmosphere of Venus is, uh, like instant death. Yeah. Um, but, but it, sh- but it gets you above the just insane greenhouse effect. But then again, you know, the greenhouse effect, yeah, that, that's, yeah, completely bullshit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the also Titan and Europa are pretty quick to be colonized if you've got a good Earth economy going. Um, and then from there, I mean, there's a whole bunch of, of moons for Jupiter, and there's a few for Saturn. I think Uranus has got two moons that they are uh, colonizable. Not without a drink first. <laughs> but the logistics, like, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and the moon are pretty easy to work with because they're all close to each other, you know, relatively speaking. But as soon as you start sending colonies out to Europa and Titan and the other other orbiting bodies bodies of the outer planets, then you get a fucking logistical nightmare because the early game ships are so slow or uh, the faster ones have so low cargo uh, capabilities that if you're trying to do it completely by yourself, which I was doing to learn the game and just play with the mechanics and stuff, not having to worry about accidentally losing because the AI beat the shit out of me when I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, the logistics of managing that by yourself are a nightmare, and those colonies quickly die out if you don't uh, latch onto them immediately and basically support, like, save them, lose a whole bunch of money to keep them alive long enough, because they, you know, everybody starves to death because they don't get any food. So then the colony disappears and you have to restart it. Um, but so the game is really, I mean, like most of these games, you've got your early stages where you're just like sent, mostly sending like rockets or uh, like one use rockets, which are super cheap or very small transport vessels back and forth um, that are also relatively cheap. Then in the mid game, as uh, colonies get larger and they get larger spaceports and you can actually afford the bigger transport ships, you swap over to those. And so instead of, you know, having 10 small ships, you have two big ones. Uh, and then the late stage of the game, when you get uh, hyperdrive or warp drive, yeah, it's warp drive, uh, and can go colonize other star systems, then you have to deal with the fucking logistics of mining I'm not sure if they're going to get sued for this or not, but they use dilithium crystals to make warp drive fuel. So (laughs) mining crystals and making fuel is a logistical nightmare by yourself. Uh, So in other words, the game is built around multiplayer, which I'm not sure about that. Yeah. uh, One of the biggest issues is just trying to manage everything. So it's got all of the basic stuff there. But a lot of quality of life stuff that I'm used to from more modern transport tycoon type games isn't there. Like, for example, route management is a nightmare. Uh, you can't select, like, you can select a route and it's got some very basic rules you can apply to it. But you want to be using these ships uh, 
to go to as many destinations as possible. And that's pretty much undoable right now. Point-to-point routes are the only way to make money because you just can't set up proper rules so that your ships aren't wasting tons and tons of time traveling around with no resources or taking resources to plants that don't need them. And then also on top of that, you can only select each ship individually. And when you've got 200, 300 ships cruising around a solar system, it takes, I mean, you're just going to be searching in that menu for forever. Sounds like you need an air traffic controller. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I suggested to the dev and that most people have suggested is like, we need a better way to sort these routes out because when when ships start needing to be replaced there's no auto replace function or anything you have to go in and find them on the list manually sell them and then buy a new ship and put it on the route and that's frustrating as hell and it's got some odd performance issues or i don't know if it's a bug or what but whenever you open the ship menu i think when you do it it starts individually tracking every ship instead of just a plot displaying their icon on the screen so you'll go from a nice smooth 60 you open the ship menu and suddenly you're tracking the stats of like 300 ships at once it drops to two frames a second if you pause the game it's fine but you have to remember to pause every time before you open the ship menu at a certain point otherwise your game just becomes unplayable um a quick question uh well i I was just wondering about the map is it a static map or it's actually orbiting no, it's it's actually orbiting. Everything is on a flat plane in a solar system, uh, but there are. I mean, to be orbiting. fair, in uh, real life, the plane in the solar system is flat enough that it doesn't matter for sci-fi level ships, which these would be. Yeah, but every plane in every solar system is flat, at least that I've seen so far. I mean, it it if you do the randomly generated starting or randomly generated uh, galaxy map. Um, things might be different but like i said i like to use the the non-random one so that you start on earth every time but yeah they they do um orbit and they have different orbital periods and stuff so sometimes routes take a lot longer than they would otherwise because you know you have two planetary bodies on opposite ends of the solar system instead of you know effectively right next to each other which is another reason that uh working with the outer bodies is a logistical nightmare so it's got a lot of promise. If the dev continues to be uh, as active as they are on the forums and seems to be taking criticism and suggestions really well, if they continue to do that and continue to work on the game, I see this being a really good really good game, kind of filling the sci-fi transport tycoon niche. Um, they've, there's already been, I think, three major updates to the game, fixing a lot of bugs and issues that people have had. Uh, and a couple of per- performance increases already. Uh, interestingly, this game was made in Unity, like in the free version of Unity. So it's nice to see a good game, like after we've had a couple of discussions about Unity, it's nice to see a, a good, solid game being made in the free version of Unity. I have no idea if the assets are, are pre-purchased or are custom. I think they're custom, particularly the ship assets. Uh, and there's a lot of nods in there to to uh, popular sci-fi things like there's a ship that looks like serenity from from firefly and there are a couple of ships that look reminiscent of ships from star wars and star trek so like different transports and stuff not exact copies but close enough that you're like that definitely was inspired by you know this ship from this series and i'm sure there's a few others that i'm not recognizing but uh i haven't gotten too terribly far uh, time progression is pretty slow in the game, so even after playing it for like 10 hours, I'm only in like 20, 
60 something and i've only really just started interstellar travel and i fucked that up real hardcore so i'm gonna have to cancel those routes and that first colony is gonna die because i got my dilithium fuel production chain messed up and i don't have enough fuel so my ships can go to can train can go out but they don't have enough fuel to come back that seems like a bad thing and the system where I where the first colony was set up, none of the planets have dilithium on them. Whoops. So I can't mine dilithium ore in that system and make fuel. So I, I at least I, I did not sponsor that colony. That one popped up. I'm not sure like what the chances are of uh, Earth founding another colony are in another solar system. But they did. And so uh, I was like, well, it depends just... on how much we fund NASA. I'll just I just went with that, and it was a mistake. I should have done a little bit more research into the neighboring systems and found one that had dilithium crystals. But, you know, you live and learn. It's a good game. I'm enjoying it. I'm probably going to stop playing it for a while, because I don't want to burn out on it before it gets more feature complete. But, like I said, as long as the developer continues to have a positive attitude and takes on criticism and suggestions and, and works on it, it's uh, I like where it's going. I love me some sci-fi, and I love me some transport tycoon-type games. So, it's all good. Uh, next game on my list is Warshift. This was a game I purchased on a Steam sale, and I talked about before. And I played it a couple of weeks ago, and what it is is it's a game that's uh, half RTS and half uh, third-person-type vehicular combat. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, it's pretty good, but it suffers from the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none syndrome that often befalls these type of games that try to tackle two very different play styles and put them together in the same game. Um, the RTS section is pretty basic, and then so are the third-person action sections. So, I mean, it you never feel like anything's overly complicated, but also you never really feel like you're doing anything super skillfully. Basically, every mission comes down to establish your foothold on the map, then uh, set up automatic build and move routines for your factories so that they pump out units and send them to a specific place, a la like a, uh, a MOBA or a tower defense type game. And then you take over the commander unit, which are the ones that you can control directly and just go in with your troops and fuck shit up i mean they've got some really neat art designs uh and there are a bunch of different commanders that all behave differently probably my favorite one is uh it's like a t-rex then it morphs between a, an aircraft and a walker that's a t-rex and it has like laser arms and that's pretty badass there's some more normal ones like there's an apc that has the special ability to drop troops wherever you are and it has like an infinite supply of troops. Um, it's a clown a, car. Yeah, there's a big ass tank that can turn into uh, a gun emplacement that you can control. Uh, there's like a what do they call them? Dreadnoughts, which is you know a big ass ship. Uh, that one doesn't really transform, but you can control it and fly it around, and it's basically invincible. Well, depending uh, on how many things you hit, it can transform into a flaming wreck. It could, yeah, it could. Uh, there's space combat, which I haven't really gotten to. I did the tutorial for it, but I haven't gotten to it in the main missions. There's quite a few main story missions, and they take... The, the first ones go by pretty quickly, but once you get into sort of the middle part of the game, missions can take 30, 40 minutes um, just having multiple objectives and things to do. 
still every mission boils down to honestly like establish a base build units push forward establish a new base build more units push forward but i mean it's done well enough that i don't get bored with it it's just nothing special to write home or talk about uh this is also a gimmick is that it's two different genres Right, that's yeah, that's the big gimmick. Two different genres mashed together. It does have an interesting sort of upgrade system. You have a mobile HQ in almost every mission that you can return to, uh, and this is the only place where you can do it. You can repair the the commander unit and upgrade the commander unit and change its loadout of weapons and things like that. Each commander unit has got different weapons that can be equipped, different special abilities. I mean, they've got like one core ability that's that's that thing's gimmick. But you can change out a whole bunch of secondary abilities on them uh, to more fit your your play style. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty good game. It handles well, but you know, suffers from jack of all trades, master of none syndrome. I mean, I paid like I think I paid like seven, eight bucks for it. I think this game is definitely worth that. I mean, if you could get it for five bucks or less, it's definitely worth worth your time at that price. Um. But I honestly don't think it's good enough to warrant its full price tag of like thirteen bucks. This is like a ten dollar or less game. So I mean pretty decent, but yeah, nothing to write home about. It looks good. Looks good. I think this is another Unity game too. It's not um Unity has uh, become pretty much the standard for the indie uh well, subgenre of uh, just yeah, the engine to go to. Yeah. which for good reason, I mean there's a lot of assets out there for good or ill. I mean, depending on your view of asset flips and using pre-baked stuff, which is not a sin of itself. It's more when it's lazily done and it's obvious. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if people use the pre-made assets. Just if they do something, you know, like like you said, are they lazy with it or they actually do something interesting with it? Yeah, like I don't... Uh, it, going through some of the uh, review stuff. I'm starting to notice, you know, the same things popping up time and time and time again. Uh, Asset-wise. And, you know, it's starting to grade on me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I mean, this is pretty pretty clearly a Unity game. I don't see any assets that I recognize. I'm pretty sure this is all custom Yet. stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there might be some basic stuff. I don't know, rocks, trees, that sort of thing. Oh, no, but it's all rock the- again. All of the vehicles are pretty unique. I mean, there's dinosaur, tank, APC, the dreadnoughts. There's, like, monster-type units, like, I don't know, Cthulhu-esque looking monsters that you control. It's crazy. It's crazy visuals. That's probably, honestly, the most interesting thing about the whole game. Now, when you release Cthulhu, style. do you have to center the battlefield for what he does to the troops? Yes. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, it's you know pretty decent. Not a lot to write home about. Nothing too special. Fun game though. Worth it for less than ten bucks in my opinion. Uh, and then the last game that I played this week is Slime Rancher. Speaking uh, of farming poop. Yeah, plorts. Uh, I've I've got the Steam link on here, but I actually played this on Xbox. It was one of the games for gold for July. Um, I mean. It's it's a good game that just isn't my kind of game. It's a very simple... I don't even know what you'd call it. It's not exactly a farming game. It's not exactly like a Minecraft-esque It's game. almost like a, uh, I don't know, a ranching game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what you do in Slime Rancher is you are have like gotten on a colony ship and gone out to like the far outer rim of the galaxy. And you have well, obviously a ranch. things work out better in that rim world. Yeah. Uh, and you take over a ranch where that you farm slime plort, which is basically their poop. Uh, and you have to go out and find slimes. Like, there's an exploration aspect. You go and you find slimes. You bring them back to your ranch, put them in pens. You have to grow food to feed them. Different slimes eat different kinds of food. And you sell the plort to make money, to upgrade your farm, to go find more slimes, and etc., etc. Uh, and supposedly there's pretty some, some pretty interesting stuff that you can explore and find. Uh, the game does have a really cute visual style, but it's very simplistic. Like, I... I mean, I don't know if this game was specifically designed for kids, but it definitely feels like it was designed for kids. The only reason that I'm still playing it past the little bit that I initially did was that my kid loves it because he thinks the slimes are super cute. But um, it's got a couple of neat mechanics. I mean, it's not like super basic. Like there's combination slimes that you can make. So uh, there's what do they call them? I I don't know. They're just they're big slimes. There's a specific term that they have for them, but. Uh, Fort if you, makers. If you feed if you feed one type of slime's poop to another type of slime, then it takes on the characteristics of both types of slime. Um, so you can use that to help wait, wait, with wait. some of the. So, so the plorts are mutagenic. Sure. Uh, but it takes on the characteristics of that slime, and then it grows like double in size. So there are certain slimes, like the slimes that have the plorts that are worth the most money have the most specific diets but you can take for example like the pink plort or the pink slime eats literally anything they'll eat anything you feed them so you can take like a golden slime which is a really high level specific slime feed it a pink plort so now you can feed it anything you want because it's got the characteristics of both slimes and then it poops out like every time you feed it it poops two plorts and one of them will be pink and one of them will be gold so there's some interesting combinations that you can make there's also, like, I forget what they're called, but they're, like, black slimes that just eat everything, and that's if you feed a slime three different plorts. It, or if like, you feed them after midnight. Eh, no. Some of them act, like to be fed after midnight. Like, there's these little firefly slimes that glow in the dark, and they get more happy if you feed them at night. Please tell me their poop glows. It does. Okay, I'm, I'm happy with that. It does. I'd um, be disappointed if it didn't. And then you also, you know, like I said, you can grow food. So you go out in the wild and explore, and you can collect different types of fruits and vegetables uh, and create um, gardens where that you grow those types of fruits and vegetables so that you always have them on hand. Uh, you pretty quickly want to automate the whole process. You can upgrade each of the pens with a plort vacuum that just sucks up the poop automatically every once in a while, and then you just go by and collect it. And then with So an automatic, an automatic feeder, pooper scooper. Right, an automatic pooper scooper and an automatic feeder. That way you, you don't have to constantly babysit them. I mean, you have to come by and fill up the feeder every once in a while and collect all the poop. Otherwise, it gets too full and you can't do that. But There's there's a whole research system, too. Like, you can research upgrades for your vacuum gun, uh, which is probably... Like, the vacuum gun is one of the reasons that I dislike the game the most. Um, it's a neat concept, and I like it, but... It only has four slots. Yeah, I've so heard a time, lot of people complain about the inventory. 
Yep. At any point in time, you can only have four different items, and you can't have two slots on the vacuum have the same item. Um, it, you can upgrade upgrade the size of the slots a bit, but it's so frustrating like to go out and it's like, well, I need this thing. Oh, there's an interesting thing, but I'm looking for this, so I can't pick up that interesting thing. You're constantly leaving stuff behind when you go explore, making more trips than necessary, even around your own farm, because you'll fill up the vacuum and then have to go dump it all in wherever. Like, there's various things that you put in various places. I mean, you know, inventory management, all that jazz. You know what you need? A donkey slam. Oh, what? A donkey slam. A slam that just has a backpack and, you know, is following you around. That would be nice. Uh, it can be upgraded to five, but the fifth slot only takes liquid. So that's, that's pretty useless dumb. for almost everything. Yeah. So it's just... That makes it so frustrating because you can't go out and explore for very long because you'll fill up all of your inventory. So if you find anything interesting, you can't pick it up. So you're constantly running back and forth. Yeah, that, it's, yeah hearing about the inventory actually made me take this off my wish list. Yeah. Because it I mean, just, it, it's one of those things that inventory is a very key part of these type of games. And be able to do proper inventory management, yeah. Taking that away or yeah, making a chore, no. I, I'll just go play Stardew Valley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I still wouldn't like love it. It's ultimately, it's still pretty simplistic. Um, I mean, once you've kind of got that core loop, that's the whole game. And you get the whole core loop figured out in like 30 minutes. Um, But it would at least be more bearable to play, and exploration might be a little bit better if I wasn't constantly out of inventory and also out of stamina. Your stamina recharges really slowly. And your default movement speed is quicker than most first-person type games, but for the amount of distance that you need to cover, because the world is pretty big, it's, it's too slow. And as far as I know, there's no fast travel or teleportation system, so you have to run everywhere. I mean, you might discover that later on in the game, but, I mean, even the first starting area... So it's area, wasting your time. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't even be playing it if my kid didn't like it. But we sit on the couch together and play it, and he likes it. Well, just get him a plushie slime from, what is it, Dragon Quest, and yeah, be done with it. Yeah, he calls them he calls them monsters. He doesn't call them slimes, they're all monsters. Well, it's not untrue. That's true. No, untrue. True. Third base. Indeed. So yeah, that's Slime Rancher. I mean, you know, I, th- I think this game is mostly directed at kids, and nothing wrong with that. It just gets boring to adults. And uh, we're going to talk about a general topic. Rage came up with this one, and it took us a few minutes to come up with what we thought was a proper name for it. But uh, what piques your interest in a game? Basically, what is it that draws your eye to something and uh, makes you want to actually explore it farther? Because with especially with Steam Direct, there's feels like a million games going up every day. And both of us with large libraries and access to like key mailer and things like that, what is it that makes us want to play a game? Yeah, this is something that I came up with, mostly because I was starting to see a kind of a split between games that it's hard, it's hard to really describe. It's art is a very subjective thing, but there's a certain quality or a certain cohesion of art 
Now, I know some of the bottom of the barrel Steam Direct games just kind of lack. You know, it's... Uh, the best way I can describe it is, did you ever have, like, the little car game that was just a, a car that was on a little piece of plastic and it ran over a moving background? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. That type of uh, idea, where it's the actual moving piece that you're controlling, your player avatar, is completely disjointed from the rest of the scene. Then you have everything else. <laughs> and it got me wondering, you know, what you know, what is eye-catching? What should we look for in a game? And I think my, the first thing that re- I really pay attention well, outside of just the general style and how cohesive everything is, is actually the text of the store page. Particularly the first little marketing blurb, you know, in the upper right-hand corner. But also the main text of the store page itself. Okay. I mean, I'm not a huge stickler for grammar, unless it's a visual novel and it has typos in the first five minutes. But something that is very obviously badly translated is a severe red flag to me. Yeah. Something that relies on uh, internet culture is a red flag to me. Something that tries to hype itself up a little bit too much. You're talking about how it's the uh, essentially making it sound like it's the greatest thing to ever live. Yeah, that's a red flag. Right. You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest one for me is when I look at the the blurb for a game, like, in that respect. So, that that is too is one of the things that I always check whenever I'm looking at a game. Like, do I want to add this to my wish list or buy it or request a key for it? Is, uh, are there spelling mistakes? Because if there's spelling mistakes, like, really obvious spelling and grammar mistakes, either it indicates poor translation or this is just like... Or just sentence that's... fragments in general. Yeah, like, someone's just throwing something up there to, like, try and make a buck on it. And so I become much less interested on it, regardless of the rest of what the rest of it looks like or sounds like. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm heading over to Keymailer to uh, give you an idea of some of the winners I've gotten. So, you know, that's actually good. Uh, it figures whenever I'm looking for it, I'm not finding it, huh? <laughs> yeah, so whenever I go to look for games that... Because, I mean, I've got a kajillion games on my wish list. Um, and the things that I look for for a game to add... Uh, art style is one thing, but that's usually not a make or break for me. I'm just as likely to pick a unique or, you know, somehow special interesting art style versus... Um, like an RPG Maker game. Because art and graphics are not very important to me. I mean, they might be very important to other people. I'm sure they are, but they're not super important to me. Um, I I have themes that I go for. Like, obviously, I've said it, and we've already made reference to it today. Like, I'm a sucker for sci-fi games. I can forgive a lot of garbage if you've got a really nice, good-looking sci-fi world and, and sci-fi theme. I'm all about that. So even games that look shittier or look pretty shitty to me, I'm like, well, that's a good sci-fi aesthetic. I might, I might could 
could do that. I'll put that on the list and wait for it to be really cheap or, you know, request this sci-fi game on Keymailer because it looks good. Uh, huge red flags for me, though, are spelling errors in the description or fragmented sentences or sentences that just don't make sense because, like you said, indicates either a poor translation or lack of care because someone's just, like, trying to shove something out there. Um, other red flags for me, indie games that are multiplayer only. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to get into genres and uh, key phrases in a little bit. Okay. But, yeah, that's a very big one as well. I would also say uh, an excessive use of bullet points, particularly things that shouldn't be bullet points. (laughs) Do you have an example of that? Because I'm, you know, I like bullet points. Well, I'm going through my list looking for... Okay, let's see. Uh, Well, here's one that... uh, Talking about how... Four difficulties ranging from casual play. That's fine, but... Talking about how be able to quit travel. That's a bullet point. Uh, that shouldn't be a bullet point. That that yeah, you know, that's a key, key game mechanic. Uh, oh, th- this isn't exactly a good example. Oh, but uh, talking about how achievements are a huge factor of the game, I think is a, a red flag because oh, there there was one game that uh, Steam actually had to impose a limit on achievements. Of uh, five thousand achievements because they kept putting achievements more and more and more into the game. Wow! That's did, did, you, did you hear about that one? No, I didn't. And that may be a, a actual red flag as well. Yo, overuse of achievements. Something that's definitely a red flag for me as well is, or maybe not a red flag, but something that makes me be like, mm, I'm not so sure. Like whenever a game's like. This is a completely new and unique take on oh, yeah. whatever genre. And, you know, there's been lots of pretty good games that have said things like that. But it, I'm always like, is it really? Is it really a new take? It's, it's pretty rare, rare when you find something that's completely, you know, new and different and all that jazz. Um, things that I like to see are concise, uh, well-written sort of descriptors of a game. Uh, they don't go on for too long. Like you can get everything you need from the first paragraph of the description. You can continue to read farther if you want more information about the game. But in order to make a quick decision, like the first paragraph is succinct and gives you all the basics that you need to know, because that shows that a developer has, has uh, thought about, you know, who they're trying to market this game to, and what type of people are gonna just kind of cruise on by, and who might be more intrigued by that first paragraph. Uh, other red flags for me, lack of screenshots and or trailer videos. And then also like really bad ones, like trailer videos that are shot with like bandy cam. Oh, if there's a watermark from the recording software, no. Yeah. And I'll go as far to say if there's the steam overlay popping up, that's also a severe red flag. In the trailer? It, yeah. I've, I've actually seen that a couple of times as well. I've never seen that before. Uh, actually, Monday Night Combat had that in one of their trailers. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Let, uh, I'm just going through the Steam new releases now. and uh, I would say a lack of just screenshots that don't show anything as well. That's another big red flag to me. Screenshots that are 
overly dark, for example. I've seen that a few times, you know, just trying to make the requirements that you have to have screenshots, but they don't want to show the game. So they make the screenshots exceptionally dark. So it's essentially black. Huge red flag. Yeah. Or actually just being black. Just just having a... <laughs> like, or we like, had, a like, yeah. like we had that one earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a red flag. Uh, but also... Uh, something that makes me take pause is something that's too good to be true. You know, too pretty. for Especially for a game that, you know, it's a, you know, a little suspect. Something that that's maybe a bull shot. Right. I'm pulling up the Steam page for Tech Wars Online too. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to see what this looks like. But the game as bad as it was, I can't imagine that it was very good. If I recall correctly, the the uh, it, it was a special type of ugly on the screenshots. Yeah, the screenshots for Tech Wars Online Two look terrible. So does the trailer. Uh, it's got a decent enough descriptor though. Yeah, but it's got a really bad about. It's not very succinct doesn't really do a good job telling you what the game is until you get pretty close to the bottom of it. Lots and lots and lots and lots of information. Oh, here's one that's I always find annoying. They put like smiley and winky faces in it. Oh, emojis or emoticons or I yeah. did you know that you could actually have emoticons in your Steam uh uh more your game name? I actually ran into that uh, a while back. A game that you literally cannot type the name of on your computer. Okay. That sounds really stupid for multiple reasons. I have a feeling it's more of one of those things that you know, a Steam engineer uh, it just allowed it to go in. It never thought anyone would actually use it. Yeah. Let's see... Something that I think is really important is names. I mean, you don't have to have, like, like a super amazing, fantastic name. But, I mean, if your name is really, like, the name of your game is really shit or super generic, I'm not as interested as in in it as I would be. Well, if especially you if it's, uh, you have something that kind of just gets lost in the, uh, in the crowd. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm looking here, like, uh, well... Here's a game called Edges. It's looks like it's some sort of runner just based on these screenshots, which and the and the trailer doesn't exactly do much to sell the game it, either way. Uh, it what is this some sort of sperm simulator? <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of games that have Edge in the name. Yeah, lots and lots of games that have Edge in the name. But yeah, that that's something that would just get completely lost in the shuffle. Yeah, bleed loading. Like I'm just looking at the upcoming games on Key Mailer. Like those aren't very interesting names. Well, I'd probably skip bleed by those. Bleed was was a uh, fairly well done indie game. It, it, it's on Key Mailer right now because it's having its console release. Okay. So that's a bad example. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that, and the name bleed doesn't sound interesting to me neither does the screen or the okay another uh, red flag this is more uh, 
uh, aimed at Steam Direct games, but a game that has its sequel just a couple entries down below the first game in the se- in the sequence. That's the thing I'm noticing is that a lot of uh, these indie devs are throwing out. Well, there's one. Uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but there was five iterations of it within the week. Dang. I mean, that's telling me either, you know, this game is complete shovelware, or the dev doesn't care enough to, you know, try to space out their games. I mean, even, even if the game is good, you know, the fact that there's five versions of it already kind of puts me off of it. Yeah. Um. Oh, here, here's a real winner for you. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to link this to you. Uh, this is just absolute trash. There you go. Oh, Booty and Buns? I saw that earlier. Yeah. Ugly, ugly game. Yeah. Real ugly. All them, all them big titties. Yeah, I have no idea what this is, but I requested a key for it and thought, what the hell, if I get it, why not? But I would never spend money on this garbage. <laughs> um, Or how about... Uh- I would say another red flag would be something that's overly memey, just in general. Yeah, I'm completely turned off by that stuff. I mean, the easy target is, of course, uh, Trump, you know. Uh, And there's a lot of uh, Trump games that came out in the last few months. But I'm just looking at great esports manager. Yo, it's Kim Jong-un. Or Kim Jong-un. I mean, that's a pretty big red flag to begin with. Yeah. Um, or also something that has just a ton of DLC is also a huge red flag for me. I mean, load, up, it, load up the page and, yo, there's several hundred dollars worth of DLC. What about early access? Do you consider that a red flag or... Early access is something that I take on a case-by-case basis. It really depends on, first of all, what they say in the early access box itself. You know... And also just their news and how often they've updated. And also, if I'm extremely interested in the game, particularly if it's a more high dollar game, I'll go to the to the message board and start looking around there to see if they're communicating there. Okay. Uh, something that's very personal for me, but if a game looks like it's a horror game at all, I don't. I don't give it a second look because I hate horror games. Well, for me, uh, well, um, horror games is off the list, uh, but also open world uh, crafting survival. Oh, those are like crack for me. Uh, particularly Although, ones that have uh, a focus on online. Yeah. Although, honestly, I've got so many of those games that I actually enjoy and have played. I They're becoming less and less interesting to me. But still, every time I see one, I'm like, ooh. But now I'm having like the, a thought like five minutes later, like, I don't need another survival <laughs> crafting game, do I? Do I really need this? And of course, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, multiplayer only, particularly uh, and something else for, uh, for me that wouldn't be for you, well, possibly, is local only. That's, uh, yeah, that's a non-starter. That's yo know, immediately off. Yeah, I mean you have people there to play with, but I don't. So yeah. Um, 
trying to think of other things that I just like I'm either sucked in by or completely turned off by but something that something that is a, a an obvious mobile phone uh, port is suspect it's not an immediately turn off but something that it has to be done really well and the problem is that there's a lot of very lazy ports from uh, particularly Android phones over to PC. They put it on PC, you know, charge about five bucks more, and, you know, that's it. It's rare to see uh, something like Tiny Trains. We mentioned that a, a couple times already, where they put the effort in to balance, rebalance the game, to take away all the microtransactions and all the gameplay gaps that that creates because that's a lot of what mobile gaming is, is a grind to get past those paywalls. Yeah. That's true. I'm a little bit, I think, more forgiving in that respect than you. But I do, like, if I'm on looking at PC games, I'm pretty much turned off by anything that's like an idle game. You know? That's something that goes on my phone. Where that if I have two minutes, I can go check on my idle thing and then go do something else. Yeah, it, like I mentioned with uh, Deep Town, it becomes essentially a pet. Yeah. Oh, dear God. You know, at this point, I think games that turn me off, too, are things that, like, I mean, I joke about this, but games that try and exclusively sell themselves on sex pretty much turn me off at this point. Um, Just because it's like, I mean, if your game's not good, like, I'm playing your game to enjoy a game, not... To, to jerk off. Like if I'm going to do that, I'll I'll go watch some porn or something. I don't need to play your game to get horny. And like, I'm, yeah, there's a difference a, between a, you know a pure porn game and something that titillates. Yeah, like if a game like if a game is fun and enjoyable and it's sort of based around a sexy theme, that's fine. Uh, but I don't want to play a game that's just like hey do this thing for two minutes and get some some anime boobs. It's like, I could just Google anime boobs in three seconds and have millions of better images than what you've got in your game that looks like garbage and controls like crap. Uh, Here's an example of what I was talking about. Uh, Well, this is a horrible game to begin with, but uh, this has, yeah, like two or three immediate red flags for me. Something that is... Purely built around mini games to start with. Uh, this has the bullet points that shouldn't be bullet points. This is terrible. Uh, this screenshots is a- that just uh, are eye rape. Yeah. I, I mean, who the hell? Uh, 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 I, I could only imagine this person's colorblind. That, that's my. Uh, that's my only expectation. This is a mini game based rage game. That's its little blurb in the box. It's not a uh, game for rage, though. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what the hell is this? The gamer challenge. The the challenge is be able to stomach this game. You know, something else that's an immediate turnoff for me are VR games. Uh, well, like, uh, well, I don't have the hardware, so you know, uh, it's non-starter. Well, I mean, I don't have the PC hardware to to play VR games, but it's not even that. Like, just so many VR games right now are exactly the same thing. And whenever uh, I do some sort for... of uh, little gimmick or an experience, which I think that's why I view VR still as a gimmick, is that there's 
they're all a, almost like mobile phone games right now, where they're built around messing around for a few minutes and that's it. You know, doing something kind of neat, and uh, then you're done. But then again, yeah, maybe VR, at least this generation of VR headsets, they're not made for long-term use. So maybe they're trying to work with the limitations there. It's hard for me to really tell. Right. I mean, most, like, whenever I do want to play a VR game, uh, then I go and I specifically, like, seek out, like, what are good VR games? And I do a little bit of research. Like, if I'm just, like, browsing through random stuff and it says VR... I just like ignore it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still clicking the uh, the new releases on uh, Steam, and wow, wow, here's a here's a game that has about half a page of just DLC following it, <laughs> and it's all you know, at least a couple bucks. Well, it's a plane game, so it's a single plane each one. At what point do you kind of cross the line between, you know, obviously there are games that are garbage and you just throw those away immediately. But, you know, at what point do you say, okay, this game has got enough interesting things to make me want it. Or this game has got enough bad things on the surface to that it's not worth my time. Uh, well, I think my low bar actually is a lot lower in the visual novel area because usually... Well, for one, it's a lot easier to, you know, build a, at least a decent visual novel because, you know, it's just story and some art. Uh, and, yeah, there's a lot less to go wrong there. You know, as long as you're telling a pretty decent story, you know, I'm, I'm at least somewhat forgiving. I don't, weird, huh? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Forgiveness. Uh, for other games, it, Really, I think, once again, it comes down to a case-by-case basis, because if a game I'm having fun with, that that's the key thing. I mean, it has to have a redeeming enough quality for me to have fun with it. Something like, well, uh, we mentioned, you know, our favorite bad game, uh, uh, Cortex Command. It is a very, very rough game for me. It's very difficult to play. There's a lot of quality of life things that should be in this game, but there aren't. Yeah, I still enjoy it because of the just general destruction. Be able to do some crazy things. Having it where you could use your drop pods as weapons. Load it up with explosives and drop it on the enemy base and have it explode. <laughs> you know, just little oddball things. A little changes the gameplay that makes sense but you don't see all that often because you know it's something that I think a lot of game designers don't really consider you know be able to use uh, things as an improvised explosive be able to uh, tunnel under the base and come up under it and you know attack a weak point of the defenses that's something that you don't see that often particularly in well in this case a 2D shooter Right. So seeing something kind of unique makes me a little bit more forgiving. But it's I'm more of a gameplay person myself. Right. So for me, I mean, unless it's just like absolutely, okay, this game is a no for any of the reasons that I said are hard no's. Um, I like story and or gimmicks. Like, 
I'll play something with an amusing gimmick for a while, even if the rest of it is terrible. Or I'll play something with a great story all the way through, even if the gameplay is terrible. Because, you know, I'm a big story guy. So I tend to pretty much go with any visual novel as long as the writing is okay. Um, anything sci-fi, obviously. And anything that's like, we are a story-based game, which I've played quite a few like RPG Maker games because those tend to have really good writing. At least, you know, the ones that I've have latched on to. Um, I mean, there's some pretty garbage ones too, but a lot of times, like, the writing is what carries an RPG Maker game. Um, beyond that, if it's not got a really interesting gimmick or really good story, I tend to have, like, a, a two-thirds mentality. Um, like, I, it would be difficult to explain, but I just have, like, this internal points system that I assign to games whenever I'm looking at, like, their Steam Store page or whatever. And if you get basically, like, a certain total in my head, then I'm like, okay, this game looks good enough to try out for X amount of dollars. And then I'll put it on my wish list and, you know, make a mental note. Like, if this drops below X amount of dollars, then I would buy it and check it out. Yeah, I'm just still slowly scrolling through the new releases in order. and Oh, <laughs> there's trash. So much trash. It's astonishing. Yeah. So, what uh, what makes you impulse buy a game? Like, is I'm there not a- sure if I really impulse anymore. Uh, mostly due to just backlog, but uh, a I will tell you bonus points that a good management game, particularly Town Builder these days, created. Uh, it seems like a lot of town builders tend to go on the more simplistic side, so that you know that's starting to fall off to just a cheapening of the genre. Uh, an interesting art style that you know, actually looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I was so kind of interested in Cuphead was that you know it's an interesting art style in general, something that I haven't really seen. Granted, Cuphead looks like it's going to fall onto more of the, not even Super Meat Boy-ish side of things, because, yeah, Super Meat Boy is more fast-paced and it's not built around a boss rush. But, yeah, it's it's something I still want to look at at some point, but I'm not sure if it's something that I would enjoy playing at this point. But it's still, I applaud it for, you know, taking the risk and particularly putting in the man hours to be able to pull off that art style because that's all hand animated. Right. Uh, well, uh, obviously, you know, things my friends are playing uh, uh, gets at least a bonus consideration granted. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, my friends are in you know, No Man's Sky for some reason. Because it's, <laughs> it's a good game now. That pushes all of my happy buttons. I mean, I've talked about my sort of $5 impulse buy limit. Like, I'll try anything that looks interesting if it costs me $5 or less. Uh, And then I'll impulse buy more expensive games if they pretty much, like, push all of my right buttons. Like, I mean, Interstellar Transport uh, is a really good example of that. Like, I mean, I love space sci-fi games. I love Transport Tycoon-like style management games. And I had been jonesing for one. And I mean that game could have costed fifty bucks, 
and I would have bought it to try it because it like pushed all the buttons that I wanted to see. Even if I couldn't have refunded it, I probably would have bought it because I'm a crazy person for that kind of stuff. I mean, that's like my crack. So, it, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll impulse buy lots of stuff if it hits all the right buttons. But that doesn't happen very much anymore. As I've gotten... Actually, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because as, as I've gotten older or if my library has grown because I certainly have more You're money now. You're turning me. I mean, I have more money now to buy games than I did six, eight months ago. But I found myself, like, impulse buying less games, honestly. Although the games that I was impulse buying six, eight months ago were, you know, $5 or less all the time. And the couple of games that I've impulse bought now have been more expensive. My, my game purchases have tended to be more expensive. Although yeah, I think I'm buying more impulse, satisfying... My impulse buys tend to be bundles more than anything else. Yeah, I think what it is is I used to buy, like, sort of popcorn entertainment. I wanted a new game, I'd, I'd buy something that was cheap, play it for a little while, and then buy something else that was cheap. But now I'm buying more expensive games and playing them for longer. Yeah, I'm just still scrolling through the uh, store page. To, yeah, It's kind of hard to really quantify you know, precisely what I'll look for because it's very subjective on each individual game. Uh, right. I, I'm, I do think I am a, a lot more forgiving on visual novels, though. I mean, that's kind of a mass off spot. Even though I don't play as many as I probably would like to to completion. I do enjoy a good visual novel. Only yeah. problem is that, that that is a kind of a downside on Steam's part is that they tend to be censored. I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't have to have a touch in a visual novel to make it good. But it's also one of those things that you're sometimes sex is an important part of the story. Yeah, definitely. You could always just use Steam as like a discovery vehicle, and then a go discovery queue. The, yeah, are, are we hitting the music? <laughs> Not yet. Um, but yeah, you could always use it as just a discovery vehicle, and then go to the websites or other places to get the visual novels. Oh, Although uh, it is Call, super Call convenient. Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare Remastered. Uh, hugely negative reviews. <laughs> um, I, I find myself buying more games outside of Steam now. Something that used to be a huge no-go for me was if the game was on Steam or not. Like, if it wasn't on Steam, no-go. But over the last year, I've been growing my games library outside of Steam, too. I mean, it's nowhere near comparable in size, but, I mean, I bought Grand Theft Auto directly from Rockstar and their social club. I have purchased a few games on Origin. Uh, I've got a couple of games on Uplay that didn't come from Steam. So, I'm not, it's... Uh, I'm not buying that much offside, uh, off uh, Steam, but it's... Or outside of Steam, I should say. But I think that's mostly just uh, the weight of the library generating uh, some uh, extra funds. Yo, I... I'll look at a game and see, okay, well, it may be a buck off uh, over there or a buck cheaper over there, but yeah, this is my trading card money. Right. So, yeah, it's essentially free to me. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to hit that territory too. My library's getting big enough and I've got a high enough level that I'm getting trading card packs like every other week slowly building up funds 
although faster than I used to. But yeah. I uh, I don't think I have anything else to say. I mean, I feel like I've listed all my rules for like what completely turns me off from a game and some of the things that I, you know, kind of window shop and I'm like, "Oh, that looks interesting. I might check that out." Uh, well, here's one other thing. Uh, uh kind of a just a general rule is that if I look at the screenshot and I can't tell, you know, I it doesn't have to be exactly how a game is played, but you know, give uh, have uh, some sort of clue of what the fuck Yo, if I don't have that, yo, that's a huge red flag. Particularly some more of the abstract puzzle games. Yo, they'll have the screenshots and it's just no clue what's going on. Yeah. Uh, particularly after watching the trailer, if I don't know what's going on, that tells me that they can't explain what is going on. Yeah, or they don't want to. That's something that, yo, just remembered, yo, oh, there's a, that's a big rule. <laughs> Yeah. But but the problem with uh, trying to really articulate all this is that a lot of this is subconscious, you know. You know, I look at something and it's like, yeah, well, not really interested, but don't really think about why until, you know, trying to explain it. Yeah, well, you've got this set of internal rules that you build up that just become uh, pretty much like instinct about games. You know, and you can tell usually pretty quickly based on all the factors we've discussed, like, I am interested in this, or I am not interested in this, and then the level to which you are. You can just get through that super fast in your head, because, you know, you've been playing games for years and purchased many games. I think you have, unless you're like a time traveler or something, or a really convincing liar. (laughs) <laughs> about all the games you talk about. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. good at faking it. Yeah, I, I just got done playing Half-Life 3 the other day. And... Does it suck? Uh, well, it's just... Uh, this uh, guy in the orange, he just wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> good to know. All right. Uh, are you ready to move on to our next topic? I think so. Uh I'm not sure if this was a really good topic after talking about it or not. I mean, it's a interesting to sit down and talk about it, but <laughs> it felt a little scattershot. Every topic we do is a great topic. All right. Well, our next topic then is another one of our general topics. Like I said, we're going to be doing Pitch a Game. Uh, round two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> the Revenge. So do you want to pitch first or do you want me to pitch first? Uh, well, I think mine's going to be kind of a short pitch, uh, mostly because it's based off of a, a existing property, and that's why okay. I said that it probably would never leave my uh, uh, pitch a game list. Okay, what is it? And I'm going to sell it to you uh, in the uh, with the first phrase. It's a sci-fi game. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> you don't uh, care what property it is. You don't care where it is. You just want it. Yep, pretty much. Now this game, this uh, uh, property has had games uh, before, but uh, most of them are either dead or just non-existent, or they're not about the TV show. And uh, are you guessing of what I'm uh, talking about now? I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi TV shows. Yes, there yes, but, 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 but is it a Star Trek game? No. Okay. No, uh, this is a property that has a TV show. That was based on a movie, 
that the movie and the TV show are essentially two separate universes with the same characters. But the but the primary character has one less L in his name and is a completely different person. Wait, what? Uh, uh, it, it's the same characters, but a different personality. Okay, I'm drawing a blank. I'm probably going to feel dumb when you say what it is, but I'm drawing a blank. Well, let's see. The main character on the TV series, um, MacGyver. Oh, Stargate. Yes, the Stargate series. Okay. There's a lot of places you could go with a Stargate game. And my idea for it is sort of a first-person narrative slash shooter. Sort of the model that they used with the last Bioshock game, where there's long sequences of kind of walk-around talk uh, with possibly some puzzle elements as well, but a lot of Stargate was also about combat. So, it feels off to have a Stargate game that's essentially, you know, just a walking simulator. So, that really lends itself to either a first-person or third-person shooter. And also, the Stargate series has a lot of different settings and a, a, kind of a natural breakpoint for loading screens as well. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking of a first person kind of adventure shooter uh, along the lines of uh, Bioshock, like I mentioned. Right. I would go with the Stargate one era and uh, during, uh, you know, dealing with all the gold. Because I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't particularly care for the last uh, season and a half, two seasons, where they uh, shifted from, you know, one major bad guy to another. Yeah. I agree with that. And also, Stargate did really well a progression so of uh, just general tech and made it feel at least somewhat realistic. I mean, as realistic as you could have a giant ring that takes you to off-world places, right? Yeah. Wormhole on command. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and another thing is that the a Stargate game uh, allows for kind of a management of your team as well. Sort of like how the Mass Effect series does. Right. So... While you're in base and Stargate Command, you could also set up your team and, well, depending on how you want to deal with it, you could have it where, you know, you have your set team. You have your, your SG-1 or, you know, whatever team. I mean, I would not go with SG-1 as your playable team. Have them as kind of, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, you run into them, but you're a separate team. And all the different teams have their own specialities to begin with, so it also opens up more branching places to build your story for this game. Have it where you outfit your uh, uh, your team, set up everything, uh, have your briefing, and then go off on your mission. And things happen, come back, and it has a general gameplay loop where it also allows for a progression of time. Which I think is something that's really lacking in a lot of games where it feels like the game takes place over a weekend, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's one of the things, too, that, you know, you mentioned Mass Effect. One of the things I praised about Andromeda was that you really feel like time is passing as you do these things because stuff changes around you. Yeah, this has it where 
especially since there's a natural breakpoint to begin with. You could ha- go back to a uh, the same planet that you went on a previous mission, and you know, see that things happen. Yeah, you know, see that things changed. And depending on how interactive you want things, you'd have different choices uh, impact things different ways. It's uh, the Stargate series is one of those uh, things that I'm shocked that it's not more popular in the game space. I know that there was an MMO that was being built at one point, but uh, the, I believe the developer went bankrupt. And this was also during the time that, you know, everything was an MMO. You know, it's sort of like how everything's a CCG now, or MOBA. Everyone yeah. was building MMOs, which are huge money sinks. I mean, they're just money pits that, like, you wouldn't believe. Right, yeah. And it sunk quite a few companies, actually. <laughs> Because they were trying to build MMOs because, yo, know, WoW was super popular at the time. I mean, that's not to say that it's not still popular, but eh, that's beside the point. Right. I see what you're saying. Uh, but, There's been Star- several- but Stargate uh, got tainted with that, and they they were also going to make a first-person shooter at some point, and that also fell through. Yeah, I remember that. There were several pretty decent Stargate mods for various games, but none of them, you know, they were like third-person action game mods or they modded in the space assets into various games. Freelancer got a Stargate mod at one point. I don't yeah, know if I it would still say, works. But. Yeah, and uh, that's, the, that's one problem with Stargate is that they don't have a lot to do in their space uh, area. You know, they have a few really cool ships, but they only have a few ships of each uh, race. You know, you only have, what, like three for the Asgard, four? Yeah, I think they have three or four different classes of ships that you see in the show. The humans have two, two? I think. Yeah. Well, 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 it depends on how you classify a starship because you you have the uh, you know the two types of battleships, you know the the uh, uh, the Prometheus class and uh, blanking on what they called the other one. Yeah, the Prometheus is the only one that I can remember. Uh, but then you also had the uh, kind of cobbled together, gobbled, uh, 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 fighter craft that the uh, humans were able to kind of piece together. Yeah, I remember those two from earlier seasons. Yeah, and you know, almost killed uh, Teal'c and uh, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the weakest part of Stargate is that you know, any space battles, you know, you're going to have just a couple types of ships. Yeah. And, and even the Gaul, you know, they only have, you know, the big pyramid uh, type ships and the little transports. And that's really it for the Gaul that I could think yeah. of. Unless you uh, go with, you know, uh, there's also their one type of uh, star base. And, and I think Apothis... Uh, also had his own type of ship, but you know that yeah, you know, that's a one-off. Yeah, then the replicants just stole other people's stuff. So yeah, or just globbed together into this giant mass and you know uh, flew around. Right. So yeah, but I mean, space combat was never the focus of it, anyway. Yeah. I mean, most space battles were over immediately. You know. Yeah, it was all ground stuff and exploration, and which I think would make for an excellent game. Yeah, I agree. It's just, uh, uh, like I said, I doubt it would ever get uh, off this list because, you know, 
Stargate is kind of a dead uh, franchise at this point, particularly after Stargate Universe kind of, I'm not sure flopped or got killed. It's kind of a combination of the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't have much interest in it because it was, oh, it's uh, Battlegate. Great. I'm, I have no interest in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good game. I'd buy that. I love Stargate. Who knows? I heard that they were we were getting a revived Stargate series like on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. They were talking about redoing uh, the show. Well, last I heard, that kind of got killed because Independence Day two flopped. It was going to ah. be it was going to be essentially a either a reboot or a sequel to the movie, and completely ignore. All the TV series. Oh, good. It was going to be a continuation of the more serious Stargate universe. That's why I said that Stargate is kind of in this weird place where the TV universe has really little to do with the movie outside of the Stargate. The character names, which Jack is, yeah, well, Jack's name has one less L and a completely different character. Daniel was a lot less whiny and lost his allergies pretty quickly. Tilt didn't exist. Amanda didn't exist. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's hoping, I guess, for your game. I mean, I got a pitch come true last already, so you should too. Uh, That would be this one. My game that I'm picking is... It kind of crosses into a couple of genres. Like, I want there to be some puzzles, some choose-your-own-adventure elements. Um, But I want it to be a time-traveling game where that something has happened that has caused the the timeline to get all fucked up. And basically, you're working your way backwards through time, fixing historical events until you get to whatever the event was that happened that messed everything up, and you fix that. And I want it to be a combination of like a choose your own adventure game, have some puzzle elements, uh, no combat, no anything like that. Um, it could be done as like a visual novel or in like a telltale style game. Um, but I was just, I was just thinking about games that I enjoyed as a kid and I loved the Carmen San Diego games. And there was one where you went through time and did this mm-hmm. sort of thing, but I want it on a much more deep and detailed affair like if when people play this game i want them to learn something about history because there's in my mind there's not enough well thought out interesting education games for for people and so i'd like to see something like that um so yeah pretty simple pitch but i just i don't think i've ever seen a game quite like that you know and there's been some some games that have come out in recent years that tackle uh, historical events from a more honest and uh, graphics the wrong word but a more realistic perspective like I can't think of the name of the game but there was one that covered uh, some revolution in South America and it's like you're a journalist and you're covering the events that happen and you can choose to go for the real historical stuff or you can doctor your articles one way or the other and based on what you do you get different outcomes in the game and that's what I'd like. Like, you go back through history, and you can learn what happened, or you can change things to sort of make them alt-history, and you could get different outcomes based on that. And you're not exactly, like, told that you failed, 
but it's like, hey, you changed this, and now history is completely different, and here's, you know, a potential effect that something that seems so small could have. Have like, a butterfly effect. Right. Yeah, and when you was, started talking about, you know, a, a time travel game, I immediately thought of a, a old, uh, I guess it'd be full-motion video game that I played, you know, back in the 90s, but it's not ex- what you were looking for. But it is a time travel uh, sci-fi game uh, that okay. involves, uh, you know, going to different uh, eras and uh, uh, trying to piece together a mystery. Have you ever heard of the Journeyman Project? Mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, it would be a pain in the ass to run these days because it was 90s full-motion video. Uh, but it, you were a time agent trying to essentially prevent the altering of history. Interesting. I never really got too far in it because, you know, it was a 90s adventure game. So, you know, it was very easy to, you know, get a game over. Yeah. But the idea of it was that you're an agent and you, you monitor uh, history for time waves. And if one is detected, you essentially go back in time uh, to prehistoric times where you have a backed up version of history, you know, actually, you know, what your history is, compare that to what the history that you're getting from your computers now. Don't ask me why, you know, your backed up version doesn't get changed as well. It's in theory, uh, or into the game, it's back so far that any potential wave wouldn't affect it, which, you know, doesn't quite gel, but oh, what the hell. And you compare the two and find out what event changed and try to go set right history. That sounds interesting. I'm, I've got it, the Wikipedia page pulled up for it now. It, like I said, it is a very, very old game. It, it's probably a bear to run if you could run it at all. And, and this is me trying to remember a game from, you know, oh, 30 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. Is it uh, on Steam? Or is this a different game? Uh, probably a different game. Yeah, let me go look at the... No, no, that looks like it may be the right game. That looks familiar, the one on Steam. The epic time travel adventure begins. The origin of the acclaimed Journeyman Project series. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. I didn't think it was on Steam. Huh. In a desperate mission to stop a mysterious terrorist behind a series of rips in the space-time continuum, immerse yourself in a series of amazing worlds, encountering fascinating challenges and characters along your way. Interesting. Not exactly what you had in mind, but close. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my wish list. It looks like this one's $10. Bucks. Looks like the they rebuilt part, looks like they rebuilt at least part of it to you know, get it to run, because oh, I, I could only imagine getting the virtual game to run. Looks like this is the only one that's on Steam, but I see that there were three. Yeah. Yeah, I only Maybe played the... the original. Interesting. See, I've had two games that have come to fruition. <laughs> no. Yeah, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for, but this is pretty close in concept. You essentially wanted an adult version of Carmen San Diego. Pretty much. Pretty much. According to this, they're all on GOG, so yeah, that's probably as good a place as any to look for the others. Okay. I might get them all on GOG. I've got a few games there. Well, let me head over to GOG and look. 
but yeah, adult Carmen San Diego is is where my mind was going with that. Yeah, which this is adult. Uh, yeah, all three of them are on uh, GOG, which is kind of funny. The first one is the most expensive of the lot. <laughs> first one's ten bucks. Uh, second one's uh, six, and the last one is also six. Yeah, I'll have to check those out one day in the near future. Or pass, depending on your perspective. And since (laughs) we're talking about time travel. Yeah, fair play. But yeah, that's my game pitch. Uh, We'll do this again probably soon, I assume. I've got two more now. I, I had three. I'm up to four now. You said you had seven ideas in total? Yeah, I'm down to six now. Okay. Sweet. Granted, uh, I, uh, Stargate was kind of more of an abstract idea. A couple of my other ones are more fleshed out. Right. I think your pitch was better than mine this time. A yeah, uh, Stargate a- sort of adventure game sounds a lot better than Adult Carmen San Diego. Yeah, but I think Adult Carmen San Diego has a better chance of uh, actually existing. I wonder, what happens if, I wonder what happens if I Google Adult Carmen San Diego. Rule 34. I hope so. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Oh, wait. Wait. There's some, some cheeky tush in that picture. I mean, she has the trench coat, so naturally, right? Yeah. Oh, the breasts are exposed for our, pre- our pleasure in that picture. Not as much as I was expecting, at least not on Google. A lot of people cosplaying as Carmen Sandiego and Waldo in pictures together, I assume from cons. Yeah, for some reason, those two are, are shipped together. I guess, you know, uh, uh, two uh, yeah, very elusive characters. Yeah, they'll meet on their travels. Have a whirlwind r- romance. Uh, Carmen Sandiego uh, mysteriously gets pregnant. And then uh, the baby immediately disappears. <laughs> Where in the world is the is baby Sandiego? And, I think... And, and now I'm just... Uh, did you ever see the Carmen Sandiego cartoon? No. There was a Carmen Sandiego cartoon. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, here we go. Where in time is Carmen Sandiego? I remember playing that game in like the second grade or something. Hang on. We're going to have to get the opening for this now. For what? The Carmen Sandiego TV show? Yeah. Well, and no, I'm not talking about Rockapella. Because that's, uh, you know, kind of cheating. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, here we go. I think this is this is probably going to be the best copy. And yeah, you know, it's glorious nineties. Uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of crap three D <laughs> that at the time was amazing. There you go. And we'll watch it together because this will make amazing podcasting. Yeah. But I added, by the way, I added NSFW to the end of my Carmen Sandiego search results. Yeah, that's a lot more Rule 34. A lot of Carmen Sandiego and Waldo fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it's, some of it's better than others. But yeah, Carmen Sandiego and and Waldo fucking. Alright, anyways, let me go over here to. Yeah. Alright. So I've got the video pulled up and paused. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. You can tell this kid's a hacker, by the way. 
<laughs> and don't and don't ask me why there's cartoon E gone. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. <laughs> That's is it, terrible. Is it, isn't this better than Rockefeller? <laughs> yeah. And of course I mean it's uh, like terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's the got same... a hover bike. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How do you think she stole everything? I, I guess that's it. <laughs> Is she going to steal the Statue of Liberty? Oh, uh, you're breaking up. You there? Yeah, here. Oh, that's terrible. I love how she stole the Statue of Liberty, loaded <laughs> on a giant tanker ship. Uh What's even better is you probably stole the crawler uh, from NASA to steal the <laughs> Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she carjacked the crawler. <laughs> oh, well, we've gone completely off base and just watch a cartoon opening. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm gonna have to make note to add that to the show notes. <laughs> oh. Assuming that, yeah, it's there still, because I went to add Gaming Clicker to the show notes a couple of weeks ago, and it was actually off the Steam store. I'm not sure if it actually went back on. But, <laughs> oh, the 90s was a weird time. I think every time is a weird time when you look back on it from the future. Well, hopefully there will be a time that you can look back at this time. Touche. Uh, okay. Well, now that we've done that, we should go... What's a recording time? 2.20-ish. We should go and talk about Mass Effect Andromeda. No more single-player updates for Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, talking about things disappearing. Yeah, speaking of things disappearing. So, we learned a couple of weeks ago that the studio that was working on, or the team... That was working on Mass Effect Andromeda was getting absorbed by other EA and Bioware teams. Yeah, um, yeah pretty much the fate of any developer working with EA, just yeah. getting absorbed back into the mass. And we saw this sort of thing coming, but they officially said, basically, no more single-player updates. The, yeah, this was being rumored for ages. Yeah, the 1.1 update, which was the uh, last major update is going to be the last one there's some multiplayer stuff that they just was like hey we've got some multiplayer stuff coming we'll tell you more about it later and then after that it's done and there's some speculation that the mass effect series in general is at least for a while done yeah they uh pretty much uh, i believe some of the wording uh, lends itself to that theory uh, that uh, there talk about all of the story threads that they had just being resolved in comics and books instead of you know, a future game, which is a huge red flag for just you know, any progression of uh, the Mass Effect Andromeda storyline in uh, in the game areas. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, they're like, we hope to see you again in the Mass Effect universe. And some could say, well, that's, you know, just them being, you know, nice or whatever. But a lot of people are also saying, like, well, the way they say that, it just seems to indicate that they don't know if there's going to be a, another one or not. 
Yeah, which it's such a shame how Mass Effect Andromeda came out, and it's I'm not talking about Dirk McDirk face. Uh, well, okay, maybe a little bit of that, but the fact that they spent so long on stuff that they didn't use that some of the kind of the post mortem of this game is just fascinating. How they spent so much time trying to do procedural generation in a Bioware game. And have Bioware level questing in it. And it just didn't work. And they kept going at it, going at it, going at it, going at it. Until eventually... You know, the uh, this, is a, this is a project that desperately needed corporate oversight, to be perfectly honest. And they just... It's kind of weird to say EA needed to step in and say, No. Don't do this. Yeah. I don't... See, I haven't be I haven't gotten to the ending yet. The middle part of I'm like I'm solidly in the middle of the game, and I'm not seeing like the issues with the story that people have raised and all these threads that are ending. But I know that they're coming, so I don't know like how I'm gonna feel about when the game ends. I, when Mass Effect Three ended, I wasn't like the happiest about the ending, but for me, the Mass Effect series was all about the journey. Um, because in a game that's that sprawling, like, obviously they have to bring it down to something at the end. You can't have a million different variations as cool as that would be because you can't have all, you know, so many different dialogue and assets and all that stuff. It's just wasted time from a a business perspective. So I always made Mass Effect about the journey itself because I knew eventually it would come down to the type of ending that it had. And that's the feelings that I've had about Andromeda from the start. But you yeah, know, this but is... in this case, instead of uh, going on this massive journey, you know, your ship breaks down at the first rest stop and you get towed home. Well, not only that, but the original Mass Effect series was a trilogy. You, you know, if Andromeda it's... was yeah, going to be was, a trilogy, yeah, this was or... planned to be a trilogy as well, wasn't it? Or at least more than one game. I think it was designed to be like an ongoing, expandable universe. Which, honestly, the original Mass Effect series created, regardless of how you end Mass Effect Three. Um, the universe or the galaxy carries on and there's so much space in literally an entire galaxy to tell so many stories I think they were trying to like I think the main reason they did Andromeda was to get away from the original trilogy because well they were it, also well they wanted to get away but they also wanted to just avoid the timeline because you know that you had a set timeline of major event happens here. Right. I, what I what I wish they would have done is just pick a canon ending. I don't care what the ending is, just pick a canon ending. Set your next game, I don't know, 100 years in the future, and then you don't have to deal with any of the Shepard stuff. And then you can keep telling stories in this big universe. And, I mean, the Andromeda thing was one way to do that, sure, but... You know, if they're going to leave the game hang, hanging and not support it and not continue to try and build this universe, then, you know, what are you going to do about that? Uh, you'll buy the books to find out what the fuck? I've never read any of the Mass Effect books. I've heard they're good, but I just, I don't have very much time in my life for reading books. Oh, so. you're not a reader. I mean, I like to read books, but, you know, I got most of my Mass Effect story from the game, or the games, and a couple of comics that I've read. I'm, and I'm still, like, plugging my way through the Chris Longknife series, so there's 14 or 15 books in that series. I've, I've 
and I've read three, so I've got a ways to go. But I mean, it makes it it makes me really sad to think that this could be like the I almost said swan song, but it's not really that. <laughs> yeah, well, the death the death toll or the death the the death bells for Mass Effect. Well, this really could, shows that you know there you can't just put a you know a, a IP on really any game and expect it to sell well enough because this, at the end of the day, is a corporate decision and I can't blame them for wanting to cut their losses on a game that just isn't going to recoup. They probably did some market research and realized, yeah, the DLC, we pissed off too many people, which kind of feels weird to say with yeah, really any game these days because yeah, the, usually yeah, all the DLC is planned out and is pretty far along once it comes out. But I imagine that because Mass Effect Andromeda launched in such a screwed up state that they had to stop all development on DLC to try to fix it because it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean as as a a person who, you know, can respect a, a company's decision to do something to, you know, like you said, cut their losses and, you know, not waste resources. I, you know, I can respect that. But as a fan of the Mass Effect series, I mean, eventually we're going to do our our top 10 games of all time. And Mass Effect is on that list for me. I'm not 100% sure how high it's going to be on the list, but I can almost guarantee it's in the top five, probably top three. So I'm really, really, really sad to see this go and wish and hope that it comes back. And I mean, you know, hoping for the best, but I'm, I've gotten a lot more cynical over the last couple of years, so not really expecting Osmosis. anything. Yeah, that's certainly helped that process along. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it just, it sucks. It hurts my heart. Uh, what would you think if uh, uh, five, ten years down the line, another Mass Effect comes out, and they completely ignore Mass Effect Andromeda ever existed. I would be sad about that. I mean, you know, the ending for Mass Effect Andromeda could absolutely totally suck. I don't know. Haven't gotten there yet. Most people seem to think it does. So fair enough. You know, the ending sucks. But there's still a ton of stuff in the beginning and the middle of the game that's great. I've talked at length about how I feel that the character relationships and the things that you do really matter. Um in a way that it didn't feel like they mattered in the original three Mass Effect games. So I would be sad if they just completely ignored it. I mean, they don't have to, like, really dive into it or pull, well, pull characters from hu- it or anything, but... Well, also, isn't there a huge time skip between, uh, well, uh, when Mass Effect happens, or the original trilogy, and uh, Andromeda, there's that travel time? Yeah, it's a little over 600 years. So there is yeah plenty of space to yeah not even worry about a drama. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a ton of ton of time. That's why I said I wish they would just pick a canon ending, and then make a, a the next Mass Effect game set fifty a hundred years after the Reapers uh, at the end of Mass Effect Three, and just go from there. Because I mean, they've got so much lore and backstory and such a huge range of diverse characters there's huge like plot threads that run through all three games and even the resolution of some of them there's still room to go and dive in on those and keep checking in on the future for them 
So there's so much that they could do if they would just set some stuff elsewhere in the galaxy. But that's the problem is that I I think they're a little leery of touching the Mass Effect 3 ending because of the shitstorm that happened. Rightfully or unrightfully so. I really can't judge that one because I never played it myself. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them for being uh, and it, and, about and, it. And it became a meme, you know, for a long time. You know, pick the flavor of your ending. <laughs> yeah. I personally never understood why people got so upset about it. Like... I think I mean, it wasn't great. Just, I didn't. I think love maybe it. it's just re- using the assets, you know, just changing the color of things. Felt lazy, particularly on the end of a three game series, right? Which I could see that, but I think it's probably a combination of hating on something because it was cool to hate it. I mean, it's not like we've ever done that. <laughs> no, never. No, uh, uh, quick, uh, put away the corpse of uh, evolve. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, a combination of feeling let down, uh, having Space McGovern, ch- uh, child, uh, star child thing show up pretty much out of nowhere from everything that I understood. I mean, like I said, I never played the game, so I can't really talk about it first person. It's more, you know, what I've heard via just osmosis through the internet, which can easily be wrong. Yeah, that that bit was a little bit odd. I mean, I could take the time to explain it because I've played through the entire series like half a dozen times, but we would be here for a long time. And I wouldn't care. Yeah, that too. So I I do think there's a lot of factors into why the Mass Effect uh, 3 ending caused such outrage, but also why they wouldn't touch it. And the reason why Andromeda exists is to completely avoid that. And it, on a surface, does make sense story-wise. You know, we're not sure how this is going to go down. Get the fuck out! Right. But, yeah, it's just... It's one of those things that you don't hand your your flagship titles, or your flagship IP, to an unmonitored B-team. Yeah. For everything that Mass Effect uh, Andromeda did well, the fact that they had a, a, essentially an 18-month development time is absurd. Yeah, that game is way too big for that. This, And it showed. Yeah. And it showed in the most derpiest of factions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, and I laugh and, you know, poke fun, you know, uh, but it does make me sad to see, you know, a, a a series that a lot of people loved go down like this. I mean, I did enjoy the first two Mass Effects. It's just that I had little interest to play the third, particularly after the outrage of the ending. It just that, yeah. you know, I killed my interest in it. Yeah, that's understandable. And also, you know, the whole thing of, you know, oh, major uh, plot character locked behind a DLC. Well, that sucked. Wasn't too uh, pleased about that either. But, you know, it was mostly the outrage from the DLC that, you know, kind of made me take balls and then, you know, just really didn't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else to really talk about here? Uh, uh, 
do, do you think that they'll continue on in the future? Uh, the and aspect ha- series? Yeah, and how would you like them to? See, uh, how would you like to see them take it? You know, uh, how how would they reapproach this after? I wouldn't say the Mass Effect series has become toxic, but their last two games in the series have had some major, major PR problems. Yeah. I don't I, think you could argue against that, but how would they no. approach this? Um, I think we'll see it come back. I think they're going to take a break from it, or if they immediately start work on another project, we won't hear about it for a while. I just... The Mass Effect series is one of their flagship series, and I just don't see them in this age of perpetual like sequels and universes. I don't see them letting it die. Um, so I'd say we'll see it again in a few years when everybody's kind of had time to forget about this, or at least forget the specifics about it. And it's just like, oh yeah, they had problems with Mass Effect, but they've hit it away for a few years, and so this one will be better. Um, how do I want to see it come back? That's tough. Um, I mean, I'd be okay with pretty much anything as long as it continues to improve upon specifically the relationship aspect of Mass Effect. Because to me, the relationships and the story was always the best part of the game. I mean, things like the combat and things improved from game to game. And Andromeda certainly has has made a lot of improvements, even over Mass Effect 3's combat system and the movement system. But I want them to continue to pursue the open world idea um and continue to pursue the relationships and i would prefer it if they went back to the milky way and like i said picked a canon ending bumped it forward a hundred years or so and continued that storyline probably the easiest canon ending to pick would be the destruction of the reapers as opposed to like the technological like cyborg thing or uh, controlling the reapers because then you can completely remove that element from the story and just focus on the various alien races and things that's what i'd like to see i wouldn't mind another game set in the andromeda universe uh although it'd be I mean, tough to would... sell at this point yeah it would it would take uh quite the effort to build the pr back up for andromeda how about a prequel um because isn't there quite a bit of history uh, with the, especially conflict between the humans and oh, the Turians? Well, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of what uh, the first ra- uh, race they encountered was. There was uh, essentially a misunderstanding that created this big war. Yeah, the first contact war. Um, that would probably it, it, it could be an interesting setting. Yeah, but I don't think that would be able to stick to the the exploration and storytelling aspects of Mass Effect, because the first contact war in lore was a pretty short war that was basically fought over one system in particular. Uh, uh, well, I wasn't lasted... sure just how much, uh, how big a war it was. I just knew about it. I mean, it lasted about three months in lore, and then all of the other council races showed up, and they were like, whoa, don't attack this alien race called the humans, because... You know, we just discovered them, and they don't know the rules. So, I mean, it might make an interesting, like, shooter if they try something like a different genre of game set in the Mass Effect universe, which I wouldn't be opposed to either. But the tradition, like, the Mass Effect Bioware formula wouldn't work during the First Contact War. 
Uh, well, it seemed like they were trying to change uh, up the formula pretty big in uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, so yeah, maybe there is room to tinker. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a game being smaller in scope in terms of, like, instead of going across the entire galaxy or this huge region of stars, like, a game set on a planet. Like, you spend the whole game on a planet, maybe you can fly up to a space station or a moon or something, but a much more localized, down-to-earth story, because that would allow them, I think, to really focus on relationships and some of the uh, some of the more specific aspects in the universe. Because there's a lot of stuff between those three games that even though like you see bits and pieces of it, it's just bits and pieces, because you're going all over the place, focusing on the big picture. I mean, they could even do some games set during the original Mass Effect trilogy times, focusing on various aspects of the game that Shepard just comes into does a thing and then leaves i mean you go to something like 20 planets for various story missions between the three games something could be set like after shepherd leaves like what happens to this place after he made these changes or whatever or she depending on what you're well i think if they have, i think if they have a, a shepherd show up in a, another mass effect game they should make it so that you can't really tell gender yeah. yeah, full helmet, perhaps, and uh, seen from a distance. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a story, a Mass Effect story about Captain Anderson. That would be an, a good prequel for the Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect trilogy. Because, I mean, he goes on a lot of adventures before you meet him in Mass Effect 1. Yeah, true. I mean, there's uh, yeah, a lot of little nicks and crannies that they can put story in and uh, build a game out of. But Yeah. Even, you know, just smaller scope. That, that I think that would be a good way to rebuild some PR with this. Yeah, you know, build some uh, general goodwill. Because I, I could only imagine how burnt a lot of gamers are feeling on this. Yeah. Particularly since it seems like, you know, they're abandoning the entire galaxy storyline. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. But I don't think that they'll just completely abandon it forever. I think they'll take a break. Yeah, I don't think the franchise is gone, but I do think Andromeda is... Uh, if it's not dropped completely, it's going to be put on the back burner for a very long time. Yeah. And if there is another story in the Andromeda... Um, well, the Andromeda Galaxy. I keep pointing to say Andromeda Universe, but that, it doesn't work like that. Uh, yeah. If they have another game in that setting... They'll probably either briefly mention things that happened in the first game or just ignore it completely. It won't be a continuation of that story directly. Yeah. I mean, they could make another Mass Effect game as a prequel in the Andromeda universe. Like, there's some stuff that happens. Uh, like, the initial ship gets there like a year before you do. And there's a huge amount of plot that they just like, yep, yeah, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Welcome to the the universe, or welcome to the galaxy. Do you think it's that's like, whoa? A, I want to know about that. Do you think that's a, a casualty of the short development time, or inadvertent short development time? Probably. Um, it feels like they were they set it up to be something, and then they just hand wave it later. Because you spend quite a bit of time learning about all this stuff. And then you go talk to someone, they're like, actually, just, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll deal with it later. It's like, but wait, I want to I wanna deal with it. I want to go find out what all this stuff is that happened. 
Yeah, a real shame just in general just how Mass Effect has turned out. Yeah. I mean, like I said, whenever I get to the end of the game, I'll report on the ending and all that jazz, but I mean, like I said, I'm very solidly in the middle, so it's still going to be a while. Well, you know what's, what else we're in the middle of? A transition. <laughs> Right, uh, let's move on to Community Corner. Yeah, our mailbag is empty again. We only had a couple of tweets, including answers to the question of the week. Yep, uh, so let's just do question of the week first. What do you consider a healthy population for a multiplayer game? And Kyle sent us a math equation. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, unfortunately, well, I'm going to have to uh, mark this as not a passing grade because he didn't include the Ubisoft fuck-up constant. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm not even sure how I would uh, say all this. <laughs> I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see. He's got five times full, full server times game mode types plus point eight full server for most popular mode. I don't exactly know what that means. 42. Yeah, I'm assuming it just means enough people to fill up several game mode types and servers. Yeah, sorry, I left my slide rule on my other pants. <laughs> Kyle, when you do your homework and tell me how what you think about No Man's Sky, you can tell us what you mean by this math equation. Uh, I think, in response to the question of the week, that you need to have enough people so that you can find a game relatively quickly at any time of the day. So probably one to two thousand. It depends on the game. Um, yeah, if, especially uh, the size of the game or the size yeah. of the individual matches. Yeah. So smaller, quicker one v one style games like I don't know card CCGs or something like that. Uh, you can probably get away with a little less, but if you're going to do a team versus team type game, I'd say a minimum of a thousand players active at all times. I would say minimum thousand off peak. Yeah, yeah, because, that's uh, because that's well, I mentioned this before is that I play. You know, this is about my normal play time for if I was playing a multiplayer game, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, Eastern U.S. That, server population is going to be down and the only people that are going to be on are either you know insomniacs or the no lifers woohoo yeah guess what you are <laughs> yes and yeah I, I agree with that that was what I was trying to say like at off off peak hours I just didn't have the right words so thank you sir Okay, and we did have, well, we technically had two tweets, not counting uh, things you did. Uh, Chemist, we don't have bugs in our podcast, said uh, Jared, coughing straight into the microphone. That, <laughs> well, technically, that's not a bug, that's a virus. That's how you get computer viruses, by the way. And also, Chemist uh, sent us a string of emoticons. And unfortunately, I don't have the Rosetta Stone, so I haven't been able to translate this. And I mostly didn't really care all that much. I didn't see that tweet. 
Let's see I if, saw- uh, co- if I co- copy and paste all these uh, directly into uh, Skype. Uh, it only ca- copies three of the five. Let's see. Orange monkey eagle chicken smiley face. Orange monkey eagle rooster teeth? Well, doesn't that say uh, minus a chicken smiley face? I, I don't know. Well, 42. Well, if it's... Okay, so here's my guess, chemist, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, so Rooster Teeth has this thing where it's like Orange Monkey Eagle is supposed to be like the way that you have your brain kill itself. Like it was a joke from one of their podcast episodes like three years ago. So that's what I'm guessing. It's Orange Monkey Eagle from Rooster Teeth. Which means kill me? I don't know. That's my guess. I'm an old man. I know I'm too busy not caring to (laughs) really get killed by this. Plus, I would have never gotten the reference anyway, so. Yeah. Woo. Okie dokie. And also, uh, uh, well, since I used the dark uh, uh, theme on TweetDeck, the monkey I just saw the face of, so it kind of looked like a crown to me. Okay. Yeah, since it's just a small uh, icon to begin with. So I would have been thrown off even further. Right. But yeah, right. that is the community corner. Sweet. If you wish to uh, contribute to the madness and utterly confuse us, you can email us at vglpodcast at gmail.com or just tweet us like Chemist did of random nonsense. VGL Podcast on Twitter. Indeed. And it's your turn this week to do the thing. So do the thing. Press the button. Good enough. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, no. Fuck now. I mean, this looks interesting, but it's a a, a horror game. Probably like a horrible this, horror game. Yeah, probably the same one I got. Observer? Yep. Yeah. No, fuck that. I'm yeah, out. Uh, well, my second one is... Well, it's a game that I'm not sure if I would like because it has some mobile-esque elements. Startup company. Uh, there's some people that's been complaining about it having essentially clicker elements. You know, uh, click on everything. And that's what absolutely killed by any interesting goddess for me. Well, that ended up being Peter Molyhew. Yeah. Uh, startup company looks like it, uh, it has potential to be decent, but at the same time, it ha- has me taking pulse. But I'll add it nonetheless. Yeah, it but, looks like I think it's video game tycoon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which is one of those things that uh, video game car- tycoon I really wanted to like, but oh damn it! It, it told you absolutely nothing of what was going on. What the shit? Well, I think I just got a winner. What? Medieval Kingdom Wars. Alright. This, uh... Rewrite medieval history through bloody siege combat and grand strategy. Yes. So, uh, as soon as it... I clicked on the, uh, damn, uh, <laughs> links at the top, so it took me off the our, our notes page, so... There's your link. Terrible name, though, because, yo, it's, uh, as generic as generic can be, but it looks interesting. And it is early access game, so we'll see how 
It goes, but it does look like it's been getting updated pretty regularly. Yeah. So the trail is on Steam now. Yeah, I saw that. It's fifteen dollars. People yeah, I saw saying that there's too. no microtransactions in it. But otherwise uh, <laughs> it's exactly the same game. <laughs> what? Interstellar Transport Company just came up. <laughs> nice. There you go. I'm gonna put it on here. I I was alright with the trail on my phone. Yeah, I, I played would... a bit on my phone. <laughs> This looks terrible, but I like like the name just made me laugh. Hobo, tough life. Okay. City survival RPG where you play as a homeless person and your main goal is to survive. Like, that's, this is a terrible. That's actually game. kind of that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, although you're not a hobo if you're just a homeless person. Yeah, I'm it, actually not seeing the link on the uh, notes. Yeah, I haven't put it. Okay. Yet. Well, I got my third game on here, and depending on how you know things up right now on the previous one, uh, I got Dead Hog Two. It, it is a very, very, very ugly art style for Dead Hog Two. It, I'm not sure if I like it or not. I've seen some gameplay footage of it, and it looks a lot better in motion, but it is still very rough, you know. Yeah. It does look like they improved the gameplay, though. So, there is that going for it. It's just one of those things that, oh, it... I understand what they're doing. They're trying to make it look like uh, early computer, you know, uh, exaggerated graphics. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a reason why, you know, you don't see a lot of games emulate that art style. Yeah. And it does look like they've gone to online multiplayer. I believe the original they called was uh, local only, if I recall correctly. I could be wrong on that, though. I don't know. I don't know much about it. This looks interesting, though. Far the Lone Sails. I'm putting the link in. Yeah. It's uh, some sort of adventure game. You're... It's a post-apocalyptic, but it's got an interesting-looking art style. And you're trying to keep your car thing, whatever this is, operational as you drive across the wasteland and explore and just try and survive. That's a very interesting art style. It's not going to be out for a long time, though. No, it doesn't come out, according to this, until 2018. But it looks neat. I'm definitely putting that on my wish list. And that's my that's my queue. That's my last game. Yeah, I still have a quite a few on my queue. I'm I'm looking at this one. Uh, th- this is something that kind of a, a it's not really a pet peeve, but it's more of a. Uh, am I an uncultured uh, person? Uh, because you'll see, this game is based on the bestseller and uh, novel I'd ever heard of. What is what's the novel? Uh, the Pillars of the Earth. I'm blanking on it. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. What's the game called? Pillars uh, of the Earth? Ken, Ken Volder's Pillars of the Earth. I mean, it looks like a very interesting point-and-click adventure. I'll put the link down. Fulwitz Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, it's looks very interesting. But, yeah, it's just... 
I'm looking at uh, this and thinking, am I supposed to know this uh, novel? I've heard of this book. I've never read it. I have a friend who's read it, and he's according told me to I this, should read it. Uh, according to this, uh, it's only the first book, and the other two are supposed to be available soon. Right, and will be part of a season pass, which, um, yeah, yeah, the main game is the season pass, so. And that's something else that I kind of take pause with as well. That's something I sh- should have thought of was, you know, incomplete, uh, uh, episodic games. Yeah. Because I have more than one that has, you know, first episode out and either just fell apart or, you know, never, you know, just the dev uh, moved on to another project. It has some very interesting art, though. Uh, it's, it has kind of a fl- sort of a flat art style, but very detailed. Yeah. It no, looks- there's, not, there's not a lot of shadows going on. I think that's why everything looks kind of flat, on, especially on faces. Interesting, though. Yeah, it looks neat. Alright, well, let me quickly go through. Oh, I got the trail. Don't really care about that. Uh, game that has its name in some sort of kanji. Okay. Uh, let's see. A, a game that has all or most of its uh, screenshots just kind of blurred out. <laughs> uh, half a page to see. Uh, uh, yeah, obviously from uh, some sort of cutscene. Oh, uh, there's great esports manager that I mentioned before. <laughs> oh, and look, Call of Duty Modern Warfare <laughs> Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that is read very very poorly. I, I want to see wow. Let's see. Oh, they added uh, uh, supply drops and uh, yeah, people are pissed. <laughs> And yeah, that's my Discovery Q. Sweet. Well, with Discovery Q out of the way, that means it's time for the portion of the podcast where I go first and tell you about my stuff. Uh, Divinity, catching up. Still working on a couple of projects on my own. Um, I was intending to do a whole bunch of work on Sunday, and then Katie and I both just had a day where we were like, yep, fuck it. So I didn't get any rendering or anything done because we were just like, fuck it and had a really relaxed day which was nice um but uh, hopefully i'll get some more rendering done and you'll see some more of my projects soon uh, and if you want to go see them on my youtube channel you can do so by searching for gaming psychologist on youtube if you want to follow me on twitter you can do so uh, by following at jma4707 as you all know i tweet about many 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 different kinds of things political and not this past week i i've tweeted quite a bit particularly yesterday about the eclipse because it was awesome Shit got dark yo it did it did it was cool um and then if you want to watch me stream games on twitch you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 uh i really want to play paladins this week i'm not gonna lie but i think i'm gonna hold off on that because of our next game club stuff then once we decide, then I'll decide if we're going to play Paladins. <laughs> I really liked Paladins. I was surprised by how much I liked Paladins once I tried it. But uh, I'll I'll fix the multiplayer list. That was one of the things I was going to intend on doing Sunday was refixing the schedule. I'll do that, 
before I'm gonna have some time at work where I have nothing to do tomorrow uh, I'll do it during that time and then if you want to be friends with me on Steam my Steam username is jarthur4707 I accept all friend requests I would love for some people too to chat me up about Game of Thrones I'd love to talk to someone some more about that uh, and yeah that's me Steam I, I said that oh, oh, not Steam. Oh, I must have zoned out then must have. Oh, I, I guess it's whenever you talked about Game of Thrones, it's like, oh, well, here we go again. Well, what? I just want people to talk to me about Game of Thrones. Well, the password for this week, if you wish to let them know, you know about Game of Thrones, is Waddle. <laughs> That's good. Waddle. Um, before you move on to your stuff, look at what I just saw on Reddit. Oh boy. <laughs> They're trying to make it exist, but you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it. No. Oh, so uh my channel. Pretty much everything's uh holding steady right now. All three uh let's play series are in a somewhat mature position now. Uh, Van Helsing is sadly in the second act. Um, don't know how many acts it has, but uh, it's still as underwhelming a combat as it was in the first. And I'm, uh, I'm planning on what to replace it with, and I have a few interesting ideas. But we'll have to see how that goes down. Uh, Rimworld is in the double digits again, and we have our first winner going on in uh, this week and some uh, blood on the snow and who knows whose that is <laughs> and of course divinity uh having a little bit of an odd week because this is the week for my channel at least i'm not sure how far jared is behind where we had a long recording that we had to break up and i came up with an interesting idea for it <laughs> That Jared approved of, so that as it bode well, actually, <laughs> I did. It was really good. Uh, and let's see, Sunday sampler. Not really sure what I'm going to do for that this week. I actually have an idea of maybe going back to the early access games that I've covered before and for a second look at them, particularly ones that I liked. <laughs> but we'll have to see if you know I get anything decent before uh, you know I make my final choice there. And, of course, this podcast appears there as well, Fridays at noon, you know, when the podcast usually comes out, or thereabouts. Yeah, uh, on my channel, it's a nice round number. On the RSS feed, not so much. Just to annoy Jared. <laughs> uh, and you can find all of that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or if you wish to see me tweet about somewhat random things, uh, yesterday was me tweeting a lot of... Uh, uh, stuff about the eclipse and random nonsense and a rate about the local school system not letting kids actually view the eclipse because, you know, can't have them liable, right? Absolutely not. Yeah, who cares that, you know, it may get the children interested in science so they don't go into the fucking coal mines. But no, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. Which we discovered earlier uh, actually produce more radiation than nuclear power plants. What you, uh, you you didn't think I knew about coal? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't realize that that was a thing. Trust but verify. 
Uh, but you can find me tweeting over at Gaming with CR. And, well, as I uh, said uh, just a little bit ago, our uh, email is vglpodcast.gmail.com, where you can send voice le- uh, voicemails, uh, letters, game-related topics, random emojis. could also go to VGL Podcast on the Twitter. If you are stopped to pay for this absolute nonsense, you could head over to patreon.com slash vglpodcast for our Patreon campaign. If you wish to see the show notes and find the link to the Carmen Sandiego cartoon, assuming that I could remember <laughs> to link that, uh, you can find it over at bglpodcast.podbeating.com. And you could also find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and who knows where else. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our discovery key music is Doobly Doo, also by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. Yeah, watch out for that coal ash. It, shit's radioactive, yo. Yes. <laughs> and. Bye-bye. <laughs>